it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals and you won't be sitting around waiting for that delivery to your front door or having to make a trip to the grocery store. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well, Factor is the answer. Skip that trip to the grocery store. Skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting flavor and the nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy and then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. And if you get hungry in the middle of watching pro wrestling, well, during a video package, you can throw a factor meal in the microwave and two minutes later, you're sitting down finishing the show, but with a meal you can feel good about eating. I have loved having Factor in my refrigerator. I eat primarily a vegan diet, and I love their options, but they've got options for everybody, including people who are on keto diets or people who are on no special diet. There's barbecue sloppy joes, jalapeno beef mac and cheese, red pepper queso chicken, Italian sausage, and sweet pepperonata. I think that's how you say it. Ancho live salmon and more. The selection is exciting every week when you get to pick out the meals that you want. They'll auto-select meals for you that fit your category if that's easier for you, but you can easily customize what gets delivered to your house and even skip a week or two if you're going to be away or have a lot of dinner plans outside the house. It's so nice having these meals in the refrigerator knowing that they are dietitian approved nutrient-dense meals that are going to leave you feeling satisfied. I can speak from experience when I have a factor meal. I don't even think about snacking for hours afterwards. That's how satisfying they are. But they've got calorie-conscious options, too, for this summer in case you're trying to lose some weight. And if you're trying to put on some muscle mass or gain weight, they have Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. If you've thought of going vegan but think it comes without taste or satisfaction, this is the place to start. My next delivery includes three bean vegan chili, vegan mushroom marsala, harissa, I think that's how you say it, braised garbanzo stew. The next week, my vegan options are peanut buddha bowl, tomato roasted vegetable risotto, smoked tofu almond stir-fry, and blackened tofu. Those are the meals I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. You can also round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with cold-pressed juices, shakes, smoothies, and more. So head to factormeals.com slash wade50. That's factormeals.com slash 50 and use code wade50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code wade50 at factormeals.com slash wade50 to get 50% off your first box. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now, P.W. Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Five years ago this week, I was joined by Jason Solomon of the Solomonster Sounds Off podcast to break down the June 5th, 2018 episode of SmackDown. We discussed Charlotte versus Becky Lynch, the big cast interview, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura contract signing, and more. We also talked to an on-site correspondent from Corpus Christi, Texas to get off-air details, and then we answered some email questions. And then after that post-show, we jumped back 15 years to the Wade Keller Hotline, reviewing the first episode of Raw from June 2008, my start-to-finish rundown and analysis. Again, these are accessible when you go VIP. You can pick and choose on-demand any of my reviews of uh, Raw and SmackDown and uh, many other things, along with news updates and tons and tons of archives dating back uh, 20 years. We've been doing podcasting now for 20 years, and almost all of them are available on demand in the VIP library. PWTorch.com slash GoVIP if you want to be a VIP member, and you'll get new content each day that's VIP exclusive, along with ad-free versions of all our free shows, along with access to our library of uh, 20 years of podcasts, hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, our back issue section of the Processing Torch newsletter with fascinating cover stories, insider news, hard-hitting editorials, long-form Q&A, Torch Talk interviews with some of Pro Wrestling's biggest names, and more. pwtorch.com slash govip. But first things first, let's get to our five years ago flashback of SmackDown, followed by the 15 years ago flashback of my review of Raw. Here we go. Uh, Jason, it's not often I start this show without this obvious opening question, but SmackDown, I thought, was a solid show, but it didn't have that one single thing to either rave about or gripe about. Uh, what to you was the top story coming out of SmackDown tonight? Uh, it's, it's a good question, actually, because it didn't seem like an overly eventful show. I think the uh, the top story, if I had to narrow it down to one thing, uh, was I guess the contract signing is what stood out to me the most uh, for the championship match of Money in the Bank. I just thought uh, between the contract signing and even the uh, big cast promo that we saw later on, there were some production 
uh, sort of changes that they made to, to make things look a little bit fresher on the show. That's one of the things that stood out to me. Uh, but as far as I mean, as far as the matches go, I can't really narrow it down to one really overly important thing that happened tonight. Yeah, like I felt Raw left me with a lot to rant about last night, uh, and and this I I like this show, but I wouldn't like tell people you got to see this. But that doesn't mean everyone should tune out because I actually have a lot to talk about on today's show. I'm just not quite sure what the very top story was, and I did have a lot that that I was uh, restless or, or upset about, like on Raw last night, but a, a good, solid program. Now, I, I'm glad you noticed the production changes, because that's something I pay attention to and I notice. I, I, I like the contract signing. I, I liked, as you mentioned, the cast promo being on the stage. And I actually just really like the backstage interviews. And not that we don't get those, but like when uh, Samoa Joe was interviewed backstage, that is what pro wrestling interviews were until the Monday Night War era, where everyone started standing in the ring, holding the microphone, holding court, doing these monologues, which would then get interrupted, and then everybody takes turns talking like nobody in real life does in that kind of way in a heated situation. And that's kind of taken over. And I've been an advocate of going back more often, not not getting rid of the, the in-ring promo, but breaking up fresh, breaking up the pattern and freshening things up. But you have to be able to deliver and even the Sin Car interview, I thought, worked. You know, they didn't lean on him a lot, but we don't get to hear from him much. But they created a little backstory for next week with uh, Sin Cara and Andrade Cien Almas and Selena Vega. And I thought that worked for the, you know, 45 seconds or minute that it took. But I thought Samoa Joe's promo might have been my favorite part of the entire show. Not by a mile and not the only thing I liked. But he was a heel. And he's, he's a badass. And he's an alpha male. And he laid out why he thinks he's going to win, and why his opponent should fear him. And he did so in just an arrogant enough way to make most viewers, not all, uh, root, want to root against him. And he didn't overstay his welcome. I thought Big Cass overstayed his welcome by 25-30% in terms of the length of the promo, but otherwise uh, I thought Cass had a good a good presence that's coming along, certainly compared to a couple years ago in NXT. So... Yeah, this was like a show that was refreshingly different than Raw the night before uh, and and had some different approaches to things that I thought largely worked. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I look at SmackDown tonight as a show where if you missed it, uh, it's not as though you missed much. If you uh, tune in next week, you, you're not going to be lost as far as the uh, direction going into the pay-per-view. But if you're looking for... Uh, look, I mean, coming out of Raw last night, I'm still not done myself watching Raw, but I've gotten a lot of feedback from people <laughs> who saw it saying, stay away, so I can only Im- I can only imagine what uh, what I'm going to have to uh, catch up on when, where Raw is concerned. But SmackDown just comes across as a competent, uh, you know, wrestling show that doesn't uh, offend the senses and sort of move things along in the right direction as far as the pay-per-view we saw with Charlotte and Becky. Uh, obviously, you know, they had uh, a straight, pretty straightforward match tonight. I thought it was a good match, uh, but they're trying to build, you know, some tension, and they're trying to build someone like Becky up who hasn't had a whole lot going for her as as having a, a shot in the Money in the Bank match. So I think as far as going into the pay-per-view, you know, they, they moved along the stories they needed to move along, but it wasn't a show where if you missed it, uh, you're not going to be lost come next week. Yeah, well, if, if you haven't watched all of Raw, um, it, it's it's a show that's good for people like us who need things to talk about, but it's not a show that I that I want to see uh, ever again. <laughs> it's just so I'm not selfish in that way. But man, it, there's a lot a lot to just scratch your head and roll your eyes and 
and throw your arms up over. Uh, tonight didn't have that. Tonight was was basics. It let the wrestlers be themselves. And and I thought, uh, and we'll talk about it as the show progresses here, the AJ Styles Shinsuke Nakamura uh, contract signing was an example of that. It wasn't overly written. It wasn't overly long. Uh, it was odd that it was backstage, not in front of the fans. Uh, but I, I thought it worked, and, and I want to get your thoughts on that in a bit. Let's hit the stage here, introduce the program. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. On Tuesday, June 5th, 2018, we're recording this, actually streaming it live right after SmackDown went off the air, within a couple minutes of the show going off the air. And uh, I'm Wade Keller, and my guest co-host today is Jason Solomon from the Solomonster Sounds Off podcast, a very popular pro wrestling podcast that uh, most of you probably have heard of, but if you haven't, we'll be telling you more about that uh, a little bit later on. We are taking your calls, so if you're listening to us live, you're invited to call the show. Uh, the number is 347-215-8558. That's 347-215-8558. The number should be on your screen if you're streaming us. You can stream us, by the way, live within five minutes of Ron Smackdown going off the air every Monday and Tuesday night at wadekellerpostshow.com. All one word, wadekellerpostshow.com. And we invite you to do so, but you can also download the complete show later on. Just search Wade Keller and Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or just about anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Just search Wade Keller, subscribe to the red logo for the post shows, and then also the blue logo for the Podcast One shows that I do later in the week. Um, later in the week, by the way, the uh, flagship this week at Podcast One, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, will feature Johnny Fairplay as my uh, guest co-host. He's back. We'll talk about the latest happenings in professional wrestling and also... Johnny Mundo, Johnny Morrison, Johnny Nitro headed to Survivor. Well, he's already done it, but he'll be on the next season of Survivor this fall. Johnny gained his fame as a contestant in Survivor, and we'll, uh, we'll break down what he expects from uh, Johnny on that program. So tune in Thursday for the flagship there, and then Friday, part two of my interview with Jason Allen, ex-WWE creative team member. It's his uh, 10th anniversary for, uh, since working for WWE, and we talked for nearly three hours about his experience there. And uh, part two runs this Friday. It's his first interview that he's done, and uh, a lot of insights. Some other websites have picked up on some of the things he said and uh, highlighted them. I invite you to check out part one from last Friday, and then uh, tune in or download the show this Friday. Let's, uh, let's get right to phone calls. Jason and I have plenty of time to uh, talk about the show more and give our thoughts as we will as the show progresses. We have an on-site correspondent standing by after SmackDown. We'll be talking to him about what happened off-air and crowd reactions, attendance, and all that good stuff. That's coming up later in the show. Also, we'll be answering your email questions. Um, got a few emails, but a little bit lighter. No shock uh, on today's show. So if uh, you've been frustrated if we didn't get to your email in the past, now's a good time to email us uh, with a question or comment about tonight's show. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wade Keller Pro Sync Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Sync Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed, with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. PWTorch.com slash go VIP. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's uh, take our first call and go to area code 612. Where in the Minneapolis area are you calling from and what's your name? Uh, my name's Andy from St. Michael. Andy, thanks for calling. What's on your mind tonight? I uh, just had a couple of comments at first because I've been listening for the last several months to your show and have enjoyed it a lot. And I think, I know you guys have talked a lot about Delta Ziegler and how they just seem to not have a good program for him thing that's bugged me ever since he started that where they have the record screech and stop and then there's no sound i always thought it'd be cooler if he just came out with no music since he kept harping on how all these other people are only big like a bobby root because of the music that seemed like it'd be more fitting if he just had no music i know that's probably not part of their show but 
Yeah. That was one thing that always kind of annoyed me was how hypocritical it kind of is of that kind of character. Yeah. You're against music, then you stay with your same music. I've given up ranting about the poor booking of Ziggler's character dating back to when he was on SmackDown. Um, but uh, at least he's not eating up a lot of TV time alone. He's uh, you know playing off of Dolph Ziggler now. Or excuse me, playing off of Drew McIntyre now. But uh, Andy, what have you got to say about tonight's SmackDown? Because that's what today's show's about. Uh, do you think there's any chance with having... I mean, it seems odd. I know they don't have a good balance of heels and faces. But to have two faces and Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair go head-to-head. It seemed even the crowd didn't know what to do. But they, like, you know, have Charlotte Flair go back to being a heel? Because, personally, I, a couple of years ago, found her to be the most entertaining wrestler, whether man or woman, on the show when she was a heel. She just was so good at it that I kind of yeah. feel like she's lost a lot of steam being a face. Sure, no, that's that's a good point. A lot of people, Jason, think Charlotte should be a heel. I, I thought even the camera work tonight after Becky helped Charlotte up, after Becky beat Charlotte clean and they hugged, I thought it was, maybe it was an accident, but the camera base just focused on Becky as she turned her back to Charlotte to celebrate. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm not expecting a Charlotte heel turn right now, but I can't rule it out. It's pro wrestling, and when a babyface turns their back after a fellow babyface loses and they hug, oftentimes they get attacked from behind. But Charlotte just ducked out and left. Um, I think it's the wrong time to turn Charlotte heel, but I think it's inevitable that that will happen at some point, and it's probably better when it does. I think she's a better heel than a face. But I liked uh, Charlotte Becky. I actually think that might be what I remember most about the show. Um you know, five weeks from now or, you know, somewhere down the line is that they just had a really nice match. Like, it was 10 minutes. We got to see the whole thing because they did the split screen during the commercial. And it, I thought it's the best Charlotte has looked in a while. I think that's a testament to Becky. Um, I, there is the issue, and it's why we don't do babyface versus babyface matches, is, you know, a, a ton in the professional wrestling industry. Because unless it's built up as some sort of epic, you know, Hogan Warrior moment, um, it, it, the crowd doesn't know what to do. You know, they can't get invested. Same thing happened with Nia Jackson and Natalia last night on Raw. That said, I don't think it's a reason not to do it. I think it's okay to have fans be quietly invested in the match and enjoying it now and then. Um, but I thought this was a taste of what could be a 20 or 25 minute epic pay per view co main event at some point between these two. And I hope Becky gets a chance to be a babyface against a heel Charlotte in a big pay per view setting someday. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually enjoyed the match. I, I like the whole babyface versus babyface dynamic. We don't get to see it too often. Plus, you know, the, the two of them on screen have been aligned as as friends for a while. So I thought it was a unique match. I was also, I also, I thought the crowd was actually a lot more into the show overall, let alone this match, than I thought they would be. I, I kind of joke on my show a lot whenever I hear uh, there's a show coming to Corpus Christi. I call it Corpses Christi because <laughs> yes. typically. Uh, the the crowd reaction there is lacking, but I thought tonight they were louder than usual. They seemed to be uh, into that match and, and into Becky's win. So uh, matching the two of them up as baby faces, I had no issue with because it's it is something unique. We don't get to see it a lot. And to your point before, I agree. You know, Charlotte, I, I think does work better as a heel. I think she's a lot like her father in that regard, in that she can be the heel, she can be the baby face. But I get the sense that she probably has more fun. Uh, and is better overall at playing the heel. And I think, you know, if, if there's anything to these rumors and these stories about uh, the possibility of a Charlotte-Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania next year, I, I suspect that the heel turn will come uh, probably uh, either right before then or long before then, perhaps. So 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point, but I, I enjoyed the match tonight. And Becky, you know, look, she needed some something. She needed a shot in the arm going into that pay-per-view. Uh, I don't think she's winning at Money in the Bank, but she hasn't been doing a lot of that lately, and this was a big win for her tonight. Now, I don't know how much you've seen of Raw, but some may argue Ronda Rousey turned heel last night, maybe unintentionally with her surly, gruff, negative, petulant, uh, unreasonable performance and reacting to everything that Nia Jax did. Um, I, I thought it was a big setback for, for, for Ronda. And oh, kind well, of, she's a natural heel. Well, she is, and, and she's just... She's just Awkward too, and not. I mean, the WWE did her no favors last night either. But man, um, uh, yeah, I, I, part of me just thinks it should be Charlotte as a babyface against Ronda's heel because is 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 better is as better as Charlotte is as much. Charlotte is much better being. I'll change my whole set structure because I can't say it that way. Uh, Charlotte's much better as a babyface than a heel. Uh, much better as a heel than a babyface. So as much as that's the case, Ronda I think is going to be a much better heel than she is a babyface um, because she can just make that look. And I'm kind of way. I, I'm. This, we're getting off top here, but I think Rada might be better off when she's surrounded by people who talk and react, and she can just stand there and have that look on her face because it's rough. It's. I mean, it was this 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 week was rough for for her. We talked about that a lot on yesterday's show. So uh, uh, check that out if you haven't downloaded yesterday's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Um, and uh, Jason Australia was was with me on that show. By the way, uh, totally off topic, Jason. I don't know if you know this, but you are the fourth uh, uh, the fourth Jason in a row. I've never done this before, but last the flagship Thursday last week, Jason Powell interview Friday, it's Jason Allen yesterday, Jason from Australia, and today Jason Solomon. I've, I've been waiting for that to happen, and it it wasn't planned, and it worked out. So I have to. Draw well, I'm happy. Uh, look, I'm happy to be part of the. Uh, well, I was going to say trifecta. I guess it would be uh, what was it? The four horsemen here. Yeah, is, we're kind of uh, doing the Ronda Rousey thing. Four horsemen now. The four Jasons. So yeah, play, ties together. Well, I'm I'm happy to complete the uh, the, the pattern here. It's a uh, it's an honor for me to be part of that. So so, do you want to be uh, Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Arn Ole? I kind of see myself as the J.J. Dillon personally. <laughs> okay, you can do that. I'll let them do all the work. I can talk, you know. I can kind of, uh, you know, be on the outside and basically annoy everybody. That's sort of my role. <laughs> yes, that works. All right, very good. All right, uh, hey Andy, thanks for your call. Uh, appreciate that. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows. Just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Let's uh, let's go next to 843. 843, please state your name in the city you're calling from. Hello? Yeah, 843. We're just hanging out, waiting for you to talk. Oh, hey, sorry, bud. No hey, problem. It's, uh, TJ from South Carolina. Hope you guys are having a good night. Yeah, we are. Thanks, TJ. Thanks um, for calling. Yeah, I wanted, I, yeah, I wanted to talk about the, the women as well. Um, I guess I wanted to, I guess I'll start off, I guess I want to start off at the beginning um, that we kind of saw from um, Carmela and Asuka. I thought, I thought Carmela was I think Carmella's been tremendous. Mm-hmm. I've been yeah. a really, really big fan of what she's been doing. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna kind of tell you what I liked, and then I'm gonna really, I'm gonna 
be a hypocrite, and then I'm going to contradict myself. We love it. Go so yes. I think, yes, sir. <laughs> I, I love what Carmel. I love Carmela. I, I thought that I thought everything that she's been doing. I thought tonight was great. Uh, her heel promo. Oscar came out. I was thinking to myself when she got into the ring. I was sitting there thinking to myself, okay, why is she smiling? Okay, she's she's just kind of sitting there. She's just kind of taking it. And then I really liked when she kind of took the mic away and said, okay, I'll take on both. And then, you know, she fought both. I thought that was really, really good. Um, and then at the end of the show, we had Carme- or we had uh, Charlotte versus uh, Becky. And I really, really liked that they gave Becky a rub. Um, you know, she's, she's deserved it for a while. Hence my hypocrisy when I asked, this, I guess this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my, my entire rant is what are they doing with the women's division? So Charlotte beats Asuka. Charlotte loses to Carmella. Now Charlotte's losing to Becky. I feel like WWE has no idea what they're doing with the women. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, who's the, t- who's the top star on, on SmackDown? Who? I'm, I'm, I'm just confused. Because three months ago, Charlotte was the top. I mean, Charlotte was going to be in a in a WrestleMania main event that the last match to go on to WrestleMania next year and she's lost twice. I'm confused. Well but yet I like what they've done with Carmella and uh so yeah. Okay, well I got I got some thoughts on this, but I I'll throw it to Jason first. Uh what what's your take on uh TJ's uh, you know, if that's a rant, I, I want when, when someone's going to rant at me, I want it to be you, TJ, because that was very a very calming rant. <laughs> you, you took your time. You're very well, reasonable. You know what? That, that, that's like that southern charm there. That was a very polite rant. Hey, as long as you enjoy, as long as you enjoyed it. <laughs> yes. Oh, very, uh, very much so. Very you, much so. You called it a rant, and I'm just like I'm I'm kind of soothed by your uh, mild hypocrisy <laughs> and complaining. Very reasonably. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny if that's a rant, then I guess what I do on my show must be a melt. Down because I, I've been doing it wrong. Uh, it, as far as hey, the women, I love both. Love both your shows. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you. Thank you. As far as his point, I think it's a good point about there not being sort of a clear cut top female right now on SmackDown. I guess by default you would have to go with the champion, uh, <clears throat> since I think the champion should be the top star on on whichever brand they're on. Asuka has been. Uh, I don't want to say marginalized. I don't know if that's the right word, but. Yeah, she's she's cooled off since she lost her first match. Charlotte, I just think it's a matter of look. We all know Charlotte is aside from Ronda, the number one female uh, star in the company. She's the biggest female name they have. Uh, she's going to be around for a long time. She's going to be their sort of crown jewel. And every now and then, you know, you just have to take a back seat. They go through these cycles where sometimes they'll feature a woman. And then she'll sort of fall fall off the radar for a while. Like I kind of feel like Charlotte is just taking a back seat, giving Carmelo the spotlight. They're trying to do something with her. Uh, she's having her moment to shine. And they go through these cycles in a few months. You know, it may be Becky. It may be Charlotte again. The Iconics. What have they been doing with the Iconics, you know, since they debuted? Uh, that's sort of head-scratching. So I don't think SmackDown has any clear-cut top female, unless you want to just say, well, Carmella's the champion. She's the top uh, female. You know, you compare it to the Raw brand. Right now, it's it's all about Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. Uh, they would be the top two right now. Uh, after those two, it's it's sort sort of a toss up as well. Is it Sasha? Uh, you know, who else is there? There's no real 
female that jumps out at me. So maybe I Alexa, think, uh, Alexa Bliss, just he, as former champ, but she's cooled down a little he, bit. Yeah, same thing. I think she's also been cooled down a little bit. So, uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I don't think SmackDown needs to have that one, you know, that a number one female performer. Lana, look at Lana. Lana yeah. has been on the back burner for so long. All of a sudden, she's winning matches. She's being featured every week. So I think it's just the product of them going through these cycles where you sort of wait your turn, and when it's your turn, you'll have your time to shine. Yeah, I think they've intentionally, TJ, made SmackDown more of an ensemble show. I don't think that has included cooling off Charlotte, but I think what they've tried to do is is maybe, well, maybe bring Charlotte down a little bit just so that she's within reach of some of the others who, who so there's a believability that maybe Carmella can hang with her a little bit. Even though Charlotte beat Oscar, Carmella's using her transitive math logic to to make her case that she's the best. And I mean, it's it's enjoy her, it's enjoyable. Her delusion is enjoyable um, as long as she gets her comeuppance. And and I think Carmella has stood out as the uh, the the surprise, I guess, of the show post Superstar Shakeup, and that she is the one that. Fits best with what Vince McMahon wants his show to be, which is somebody who can be bombastic and fill TV time with an attitude and 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 talk and be on color commentary, hold court in the ring, and that's not something Oscar can do. It's not something Lana can do in that way. Uh, and Mandy Rose and Sonya, we saw them do some mic work and it was fine uh, tonight, but they're you don't know, lean on them, and and the Iconics are just too new to lean on for that. And so then it's Naomi and Becky Lynch. But I think what he's trying to do is not have everything be the same as it's been, sort of this incestuous rotation of the same top few people. And I think a deliberate attempt has been made to build some new people up and just create a sense of a lack of predictability where it's obvious that there's these two or three top and then a big drop off to the next few and then nothing, which has been the way the division has been, I think, for quite a while. And I think it's kind of refreshing that, they have created a sense that maybe anybody can win any match, including Becky beating Charlotte, even though Charlotte beat Asuka. So I, I've actually liked what they've done with this. Um, and, you know, Asuka, I think Vince isn't quite sure what to do with her because he, he promotes wrestling in a way that's different than New Japan or, you know, where it's not it's not enough to just be really good in the ring. He's got to fill all this incredibly profitable TV time with people who can talk and entertain and you can be really good in the ring but if you can't do that other stuff you're gonna he has to work build around you a support system and, and that's what he did by having you know oscar do a little bit but not a lot with carmella and then mandy and uh, sonia carrying that segment so i'm i'm higher on it than you are and i'm glad you brought up uh carmella's performance because i thought that she did a good job in that opening segment and it was uh one of the highlights of the show for a vulnerable heel, obnoxious, abrasive champion. She plays that role well. And I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. That's a legit role to play in wrestling. Obviously, everybody hopes she can just deliver in the ring and have a, a, a good match and that she gets better in that regard. So, TJ, I'm throwing back to you. Cool, yeah. Cool, yeah. It sounded, it, it, that sounds TJ, good. TJ, cool, cool it, down. If I you're think, upset, if I'm not mistaken. TJ, if you're upset, we need you to calm down. <laughs> you're coming at me too too fast, too hard. I know I might have. <laughs> said something there that upset you but we we need to core all right go ahead sorry no no um <laughs> did you guys i i felt like the i felt like the um the commentary was kind of leaning towards it it felt like they were kind of leaning towards a, a potential charlotte heel turn because when she was sitting on the mat yep. they were really kind of uh they were kind of hammering in that 
you know, she's lost and that she's been, I don't know, it, it, you know, I don't remember exactly what they were saying, but it, you know, I left, I left the segment kind of thinking, okay, maybe they're playing the seed because they don't really have a top heel on SmackDown. Out, I mean, outside of Carmella, I mean, they've got the Iconics and Lana, but really, they really need a top. They really do need a, a top woman heel. Yeah, oh, that's true. I mean, Carmella, the Iconics, Sonya, Mandy, Lana. Um, Carmella's the alpha female of that group, but I don't know that people six months ago were like, yeah, build build an entire TV show around uh, women's division with Carmella as, as the definitive uh, and obvious lead heel. But among those five, at this point, she is, or those six, she is, if you include Lana in that group. So, um, But the thing is, is if you turn... Uh, if you turn Charlotte, you're, you got a weak babyface uh, lineup too, because then you're down to Oscar, Becky Lynch, and, and Lana. So it, it's a numbers game, but I, I mean, I give them a thumbs up for what they're doing. I, you know, it's it's enough. Um, I, you know, to have two full to have two full fledged women's divisions with multiple segments with women on each show is a, a big step in the right direction, and I think that there's just enough talent to justify it. But I'd like to see it get a little deeper and 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 have the in-ring ability of the women be a little higher when it comes to the payoff at the pay-per-views. Cool. Hey, before I leave, Wade, yeah. I wanted to pre- I, um, I'm a first-time, uh, I subscribed to your VIP back in uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. And, um, man, it's been awesome, man. Really, really cool. Um, you know, I, I've been listening to your, your four shows a week or whatnot, and, uh, but I'll tell you what, the Fix and Bruce Mitchell audio show is, I mean that's 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 kept me with the ten dollars a month. So thank you very much for the uh, the content. I, I've I've really enjoyed it. You guys have a good uh, show. I'll continue listening on. TJ, I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks very much. If uh, anybody's thank interested you. in uh, becoming a VIP member, like TJ just endorsed, like he uh, he did a couple months back, uh, just check out our new sign up page: pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Multiple VIP exclusive podcasts a day. Uh, I host about a dozen other shows throughout the week other than the four free ones, uh, the Wade Keller ones here during the week, and also uh, post-pay-per-view roundtables, uh, The Fix with Todd Martin, The Bruce Mitchell Audio Show, and then we have many other shows covering uh, distinct niche topics with people who know what they're talking about. It is a, uh, it's a feed you'll hit refresh and always have something of high quality uh, waiting for you uh, covering a topic that you're passionate about in pro wrestling, plus 30-plus years of archives, add for access to our website, and then these shows and all the live casts go ad-free and plug-free, which is a, Man, a very you are nice a busy. You are a busy guy. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, thank you for recognizing that. Uh, um, it is it is absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, so pwtorchvipinfo.com. Try, you know, yeah, editing and overseeing all of this, too, at the same time, trying to keep all the all the gears running and not jamming up. All right, um, but it's a blast. I'm definitely not complaining, and I appreciate uh, comments like TJ's really uh, help make it all worth it. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Longing for some nostalgia? Or maybe you want to learn some wrestling history? Don't miss the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Dailycast feed. 
Alex and Patrick will transport you 30 years into the past by taking you through the torch issue from that very week. Follow news from the WWF and WCW and all the happenings from across the wrestling industry in real time as the torch reported it 30 years ago. That's the 90s past cast every Friday on the PW Torch daily cast feed. Let's go to area code uh, 240. You are up next. Thanks for calling. State your name and the city you're calling from. This is Ryan from Cumberland, Maryland. Hey, Ryan. Good to hear from you again. What what do you think of SmackDown tonight? It was a uh, good show. It was heavy on the females, and that brings me to my question for tonight. Do you have any idea how the ratings do for the females when they have like a women's match compared to the men's match? Is it comparable or... Are the women more popular than the men, or are the men more popular than the women when it comes to the uh, Nelson ratings? It's a good question. Um, there's less variation now than ever um, in the quarter-hour ratings, which were a big thing. I seems like three out of four weeks, I'd my cover story during the Monday Night War era would be breaking down what we could learn from the quarter-by-quarter uh, ratings uh, changes between Raw and SmackDown when people were just changing channels constantly. We learned a lot from that. There, there really is, even with the ratings, there's you know seasonal trends. Um, you can kind of predict what a rating is going to be even before the number comes in, uh, certainly within a certain range these days. And the same thing with the show. There's you know an ebb and a flow a little bit, but the women don't do better, but they don't do worse like in any kind of, uh, I shouldn't say in a measurable way, but in a, in a significant way. The fact that they're getting more TV time is not some sort of, um, a charitable move to give a boost to the women's revolution, which we haven't heard mentioned since Saudi Arabia, um, which is probably a good thing uh, to not draw attention to that at the moment. Um, but it, it might have run its course. But I, I think that uh, the women are getting TV time because it's delivering the ratings. But it's not like you know Stone Cold Steve Austin emerging on Raw, where every time he was on TV, the ratings went up fifty percent. Uh, it's not like that, but. The demog- I will say demographically, my ratings guy just sent something a few weeks back just saying that there, there's not a real big change in the female viewership uh, demographically compared to a year or two ago. Um, you know, that, that's just been a certain percentage. It's been growing a little bit uh, compared to other eras. But, um, uh, Jason, any, any insight into, into that? Have you looked at any of the metrics or data to add to what I said or, or disagree with something I said there? No, I mean, I don't have any insight into into the metrics. I mean, I just have from personal experience, you know, I have a few friends uh, whose wives became big fans of uh, some of the other like ancillary programming, Total Divas, Total Bellas, and they have become fans of of the other WWE shows through those. uh, And so they keep up with the storylines that way. It seemed to me, I mean, it's a small sample size, but it seems to me, uh, that those shows probably brought in more female viewers. But based on what you're saying, at least in recent months, it doesn't look like those numbers have really uh, trended upward. I mean, I've noticed some of the ratings trends even with those shows uh, on the E-Network. They've been trending more down than up. So I wonder yeah. if maybe they've hit their if they've hit their peak, perhaps, as far as uh, sort of expanding their, their female audience. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it isn't – I remember – I can't remember if it was Kevin Dunn or who it was just saying – uh, at one point, I think it was back when Tough Enough came back, and, and they were, you know, other people are saying this too in WWE. You know, we think that we can use reality shows as a gateway to make people watch Raw, and I, I just, 
I was skeptical oh. of that. Uh, you know, like to me, they're very different. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's kind of a laugh line because they're very different products. Um, well, you know, wait, it, I, and I understand that comment, but then just to go back to what we were saying before, shows like last night, you just look at show and, and it, you have the length of the shows because Raw is a very long show. But Raw, most weeks recently, it seems, does more to sort of chase off viewers than bring in new ones. So I would be very surprised if you have more casual fans, female fans, who were drawn in by those other shows who, let's say, tune into Raw and stick with it or tune into Raw and say, man, this is, an, you know, this is such an engaging, exciting program. I can't wait to watch uh, until next week. I look at that and say... I'm a hardcore fan. I've been a fan my entire life, and these shows do more to almost chase me off than anything else. I can't yeah. imagine that if you're a, a casual viewer, a, you know, a new female viewer, that a show like Raw week to week is going to do anything to keep your interest level. I remember talking to Jerry Jarrett when he was launching TNA, and he was very excited about a tie-in with NASCAR. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, I mean, it's not like a net negative, but the idea that you're going to make people fans of professional wrestling because you bring in some NASCAR guy, or that I'm more likely to watch NASCAR because he, some NASCAR driver appears on, on a wrestling show, I just knew that made no difference to me. Like, I, I wasn't, I know NASCAR is out there, and it's not something that I carve out time for, or know enough about to really be interested. I don't have a circle of friends or family who, who helped me grow up with it like they did Major League Baseball and the NFL and, and NHL. So it's just not kind of part of my culture. And watching some guest star come in isn't going to make me watch it. And I kind of see that with relatives. Like you say, female friends or relatives who, who talk about, oh, yeah, what's going on with uh, Nikki Bella and John Cena? And they care about that. And then I'll go, well, have you ever seen... Raw or SmackDown, and she'll be like, "Nope." <laughs> um, yeah. Are you tempted to watch it? No, that doesn't really interest me. But are, are John Cena and Nikki broken up? Or are they going to get back together? Because like, I kind of don't want to care, but I kind of care. And you know, like, but I'm never going to watch Raw. It's like, so I just don't know that there's a time. I actually pulled the numbers up. Um, 2016 Raw female demo, 18 to 35 demo, 0.68. That was a 2016 average. In 2017, the female 18 to 34 demo, 0.67. And in 2018, year to date uh, through April. 0.68. <laughs> no change over three years. Huh. Um, uh, among the 18 to 49 demo, maybe skew a little older, 0.81 two years ago, 0.80 last year, 0.82 this year. Again, just negligible difference. Um, for Raw, I think, well, maybe, or th those are Raw numbers. How about SmackDown? A 0.51, a 0.56, and a 0.54 in the younger demo. Uh, 16, 17, and 18, uh, you're, you're matching up the years there, respectively. And then with the older demo, 18 to 49, a 0.63 two years ago, a 0.67 last year, and a uh, 0.64 this year. I mean, just steady numbers. So the women's revolution hasn't changed the percentage of women uh, uh, out there who can watch Ron SmackDown, who are watching Ron SmackDown. So um, it, it's it's still, I think, a net, it's, it's still a good thing they're doing it, but it's not dramatically changing female viewership that they're touting this but that that's not a negative it's just i'm glad that there are women taking up more time on tv and a show like tonight where they're in multiple segments i think it keeps things fresher because of part of it isn't just what they bring to the show but it's the it's what they don't what it's it's what they what they take away from uh from the burden that the top men face in that we got aj and shinsuke not appearing in front of the crowd and we didn't have there's certain rest, a number of wrestlers on SmackDown, like Daniel Bryan, for instance, not even on the show. You know, you can miss Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy, 
uh, you, they can miss a show, but you still have plenty to fill the show. So, you know, Shelton Benjamin has gone, you know, missing. Um, if they didn't have women, he'd be overexposed on TV every week. So I think it's a good thing, too, because it keeps everybody fresher when they do appear. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think this whole women's, uh, well, I guess at some point they, they changed it from the women's revolution to the women's evolution. Uh, but whatever whatever buzzword they're using this week, I, I think it had more to do, maybe not so much with expanding the female audience as much as just changing the perception of the company. I think that is more important to them probably than than most other things. And to that end, they've done a good job. You know, Stephanie's sort of been out there front and center as the face of it all. We can have a debate about whether or not that's uh, you know, being disingenuous or not, how much uh, she really had to do with it all. But yeah, you know, they they've done a good job, I think, to the outside world, and we maybe we've seen that recently with this TV contract news. We don't know how much the women, uh, you know, have and that perception have played into that, but you know, they've tried to position themselves as, uh, you know, this this sort of company that has evolved over the years, and they brought in Rhonda, and they're positioning her as a top star, which is something you never would have seen, I think, twenty years ago. I mean, they they kind of did with China. China was a big deal, but China was never sort of the uh, you know, centerpiece or focal point of the company to the to the end. I think that people like uh, Rhonda are being positioned now. I think perception is very important to this company. So if they don't expand the women's audience, you know, as long as they don't regress, I, I don't know that they mind it so much because uh, you know people on the outside view them very differently and I think more favorably than they would have twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think China, you know, was a big star. She was a prominent novelty. And that's not what Ronda Rousey is. It's not what Charlotte is. It's not even even Naomi tonight and Lana. You know, they're they're in the mix with the men. They're not treated as a novelty. They're treated as kind of equal halves of a two on two match. And I think that's a, a step in the right direction. There's no reason not to do that. And thankfully, with developmental and and some good signings, that they have enough depth. Uh, to, to make that work, and, and they can uh, keep feeding the system. Uh, NXT, I love watching NXT every week. It, it's my favorite wrestling show, and they just do a great job uh, with the women, too, you know, building anticipation. Yeah. yeah, and again, last week on Raw, you know, Raw was headlined by a women's gauntlet match, and it almost, there was a time not too long ago where it was like, wow, the women are headlining Raw, what a big deal. <laughs> now, it, to me, it just feels commonplace. Like, when the women yep. headline Raw... It's like, oh, okay, it just feels normal. And in that same week, you, you you mentioned NXT. NXT was headlined by the women, right? They went off the air with Nikki Cross and Shayna Baszler and Dakota Kai. So it, it just feels like it, it doesn't feel like a gimmick. It doesn't feel like, oh, wow, what a big deal this is. They've done it enough now where it just feels natural. Uh, and to the point where people are even talking about WrestleMania next year could potentially, for the very first time, be headlined by two women. Yeah. Yep, totally agree with you on that one. March through pro wrestling history with a PW Torch VIP membership throughout the week, every week. We jump back 18 years to our earliest podcasts. And you can march through our coverage of pro wrestling history with our contemporaneous coverage of all the major pay-per-views, Wade Keller hotlines with behind-the-scenes news, the Bruce Mitchell audio shows with in-depth current events analysis at that time, along with history lessons and strong opinions, the real deal with Pat McNeil with the Hot 5 Stories of the Week and the Indie Show lineup of the week, and more. Go VIP and relive wrestling history or learn about it for the first time as we continue to march through our 2005 library near the anniversary dates of when they aired 18 years ago on that date.
To become a PW Torch VIP member, go to pwtorch.com slash govip and sign up today. Uh, Ryan, do you have any uh, closing comments for us? Uh, I have a question for you. Do you think it's possible to do like the reserve against in English match that Vince sort of went to do like a feud that was similar with Owen and Jeff Jarrett where they feuded over Deborah, except this time, you know, it'd be feuding over Juana. Obviously, Owen rejected that storyline, so maybe they'll get their chance to do it, the storyline. Yeah, I don't know that I think Aiden English is perceived as a threat to Rusev, and I, I think if I think higher of, of Rusev than feuding with Aiden English over Lana, and I don't know that people would really buy it because they know Rusev and Lana are a couple. So I guess I would I would for multiple reasons think that's not likely to happen and I, I would vote against it. I have been a little puzzled by the last month, Jason, of Lana um, and Aiden English. They went from um, he you know, Lana telling Rusev Aiden is why you're losing and then it seemed like they turned babyface, and the last week it certainly seemed like they were solid heel. And now Lana and English are, uh, you know, happy and teaming together. Uh, have you been able to kind of make sense of, of what they've done with that threesome, and do, have they extinguished, whether they wanted to or not, the enthusiasm for Rusev Day? Uh, well, tonight it felt like they did maybe a little bit. I, I think Rusev Day is still, you know, pr- pretty pretty popular. Obviously, they're using it to uh, sort of boost Lana. But as far as making sense of it, I, I kind of stopped trying to make sense of things. If you look at Raw, you know, less than four weeks ago, Nia Jax was sort of the face of anti-bullying in WWE. And, you know, she had vanquished Alexa Bliss and at Backlash cut this promo about, you know, uh, be don't be ordinary, be extraordinary, don't let people bully you around. And now what does she do? She comes out on television every week and she bullies people around. And there was no... <laughs> there was no build to it. There was no story behind it. One week she was this anti-bully baby face, and now she's back to being a heel for no rhyme or reason. I think they just do things out of convenience, and they don't really pay too much attention uh, as much as we would like them to, to and, and, try to make these things make sense. And what's crazy about that is then this week on Raw, Nia's apologizing after beating Natalia for hurting her knee too badly in the match when she actually didn't even hurt her knee. Natalia hurt it herself. And she's telling Rhonda, I'm Natalia's friend, and I was her friend before I, before you were friends with her, and I'm sorry for hurting you. Like, Nia Jax, it's like three different people have written for her, and the, all three were absent for the other two weeks and weren't watching. Um, it, it, like, the inconsistency of Nia Jax's character the last three weeks is, is stunning, and it's, it's not okay. Like, it's not at a professional level of writing. Like, WWE should be kind of ashamed of themselves that they're putting a product out with that kind of inconsistent, illogical, No, there's no way to justify or explain the sloppiness of, of what we saw the yeah. last few weeks, and especially last night. Well, here, but here's the problem with that, and I've talked about this on my show, too, and, and it's not a problem for WWE because they're riding high right now. You know, we, we just got done hearing about these hundreds of millions of dollars that NBC Universal is paying to renew Raw and Fox. I mean, it's not official yet, but Fox is going to give them a billion dollars for SmackDown for five years. The problem with that, if you're a fan like you and I, is that what it what it shows me is that none of this matters. And that if they're willing, if these networks are willing to pony up that much cash to WWE for the product as it is, there is no longer any incentive for the company to uh, sort of hear things, hear criticisms like this and say, oh, you know, that's that's a valid point. We ought to make changes to our product. The product as it is got them a billion dollars from a major television network. And so I fear 
that there really is no incentive for them to care about things like, you know, consistency in storylines. They book week to week, and, and it's like, look, we don't have time. Things are changing. People get hurt. We've got, you know, tons of writers. We're, we have to write for so many different people, and it's just not important to them, and there's no reason for them to change the formula as it is. Yeah, and, and I mean, it is. I think they are doing a victory lap, but it doesn't mean that we don't stop holding them accountable for putting out a shoddy product. And, no, of course you not. know, yeah, it, well, of course, yeah. And, you know, uh, there was a time when Blockbuster thought, you know, we've put all the mom and pop um, rental services out of business and we can charge whatever we want for late fees and, and, and we're going to rake in money forever. And then, uh, you know, people got used to paying for on-demand movies on cable as the technology improved and people got sick of the late fees. And then now Blockbusters are, you know, 24 fitness centers and, and whatever else, nail shops that pop up everywhere. <laughs> like they're, they're not there anymore. I mean, so you got, it, you got to be careful if you're WWE that day, because I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not disagreeing with you that that's the victory lap they're running and that there's not some legitimacy to the idea that they can get away with sloppiness and shoddiness in their writing. I'm really just calling upon professional pride in just doing a decent, just doing a decent job. Um, I don't think that is too much to ask um, them to do. Um, and, and, and I think that there still is some incentive for them to do a good job because they want network subscribers. They want people buying tickets. They want crowds as props reacting in a passionate way to the product. And if they're not getting that, um, that can hurt the product too. And at some point, I, I don't know what will be built into the NBC Universal and Fox contracts, but... If they drive people away too much, I, maybe that money isn't going to be there in years three, four, and five, or they get moved, shipped off to another network and take some hit on their on the uh, the money they get. Like you said, it's not official, and we don't know the details of the contract. But I, I would think that they would, for pride's sake, want to do a good job, and that they just sort of have to do a good job. At, they can't do as bad of a job as they did last night for the next five years and still be in good shape. And that's what surprises me so much. I mean, look, we go through these periods during the year. Some periods are slower than others. And I think sometimes that happens in the summertime. And they've had a lot of time between the last pay-per-view and Money in the Bank. I think it was about a six-week gap. And so I feel like we're in this lame duck mode where they're just trying to fill TV time. But it's almost shocking to me in light of this TV news, uh, whether it's official yet or not. But, you know, clearly the stock is soaring and all this news came out that at least on Mondays, that they've been putting out the last two, three weeks, that type of show, you would think that they would want to put their best foot forward right now. They have a lot of momentum. And if anything, they've gone in the opposite direction. I think Raw has taken five to ten gigantic steps backward in the last few weeks. And and uh, it's very surprising to me of all times that, that, you know, that's what we're seeing. You would think that the the show would be better than them, and they have the talent. It's not, I think, a talent issue. It's just a matter of creative and what they're doing with the talent they have. Do, do you think they are just, like, counting money and not writing sensible scripts? Like, is part of this just like, oh, now we don't have to try anymore? Or do you think this? we've seen enough of this over time that this is just kind of built into the, the DNA of Vince McMahon's own creative efforts in the writing team that sometimes they get through stints like this where people like us who've watched for a long time and get to see the end product just groan or, or get frustrated at the complete lack of, of, of standards to the logic of their writing that's unlike any other show that gets the audience levels and has the budget that this one has. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a matter of they're intentionally you know, trying, trying to sabotage the show or they just don't care. 
I think this goes to the issue, frankly, of uh, and this has been this way for years now of them not having any real competition. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you could go back to the days of WCW and we could talk about all that, but it's it's a it's a good point to make, I think, and that they're not really. When I say they they don't have any incentive to change their their formula and their way of doing things, I don't think they do right now have that sort of burning passion. Oh, we have to make wholesale changes, or you know what, we should we should make this tweak and make that tweak. In their mind, I think they think, look, we know how to do this. We're the professionals. Let us do what we do, and they have their way that they think is the right way. Yeah. And you know, we can sit here and and talk about the little things that they don't get right. On the other hand, again, they are flying high right now, and they are making money hand over fist, and that's all well and good. I think it goes to the issue of of they just there needs to be some sort of motivation where whether it's the ratings just bottom out or somebody else comes along and sort of you know tries to do what they do and starts to build a little bit of momentum. I don't know who that would be. There's no one on their level, but uh, you know when you don't have anybody uh, breathing down your neck. I think this is the product that you end up with. You don't really have a whole lot of incentive to to change the way that you do things. All right, very, very good. Uh, Jason, um, let's uh, go to our on-site correspondent. So we'll wrap up the color portion of the show here and uh, reach out to our on-site correspondent, Corpus Christi, and find out what happened uh, that we didn't see on TV tonight. We'll also answer email questions and uh, some other topics we haven't covered from the show that I want to get to also. Great. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT 8 Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. All right, we're now joined by our on-site correspondent in Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, Richard uh, joins the program. Uh, Richard, first of all, welcome to the Weight Killer Processing Post Show. Uh, thanks for taking time out to talk to us after SmackDown tonight. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you are just leaving the building. You did not stay for the conclusion of the dark match, the show running pretty long tonight. Uh, who was in the ring? What was the dark match? The uh, dark match was The Miz and Big Cass against Brian, Daniel Bryan and Jeff Hardy. All right. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure who's going to win that one. but Yeah, yeah. It was kind of headed that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do, do you know what they advertised for the dark match, if anything? I don't. I don't because I live in San Antonio. I, I didn't really see a lot of local promotion. Got I know it, that yeah. uh, Bobby, Bobby Roode and Jinder, some of the folks from uh, the previous SmackDown the regime were, uh, were advertised, but no dark match that I'm aware of. On uh, pwtorch.com, uh, our uh, uh, preview of the show, uh, on our preview of SmackDown, because we run Ron SmackDown Primers every Monday and Tuesday, um, our uh, uh, author of the Primer, Frank Pettiani, says, uh, or looked up on the website what was advertised on the American Bank Center website in Corpus Christi. This is what they're advertising. <laughs> I'll answer your question, because this was as of today. Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal, Miss Money in the Bank, Carmella, Women's champion yeah. Charlotte Flair and general manager Daniel Bryan. <laughs> That's what they advertised on the website. So they had not updated that in a while. Um, what was the uh, the crowd like tonight, Richard? Did they should they have uh, maybe updated that website to get more people in the building? 
Um, no, I think most people were pretty aware of who was going to be at the show tonight. I think some were disappointed that, that AJ and Nakamura didn't appear before the live crowd tonight. Uh, but other than that, I think the crowd was, was pretty, pretty, pretty good tonight. It was about, I would say, 80% full, maybe 90% full. There was a session that was tarped off on the hard camera side. But uh, then the crowd stayed for 205 Live, which was kind of surprising. But Brian and Jeff Hardy were in the dark match, so I think that was the attraction to say. So it was a good crowd. Yeah. Now, Corpus Christi doesn't, does not have a rep for having a raucous crowd. Um, how, how into the show and were they tonight? And what or who were they most into? And uh, on the contrast, what or who were they most not into during the show tonight? Uh, well, Oscar got some nice uh, response early on with the uh, the handicap match, uh, so that was nice to see. Uh, Cass probably came away as the biggest uh, heel or, or had the most heat, I guess, tonight. That promo didn't help him any. I don't think he kind of seemed to run a little bit long. He kind of lost people. I think it kind of just meandered a little bit too too long. Uh, the main event heels are all popular, really, in, in their own kind of way, Joe, Miz, and, and Rusev. So I couldn't say that uh, anybody really got any more heat than, than cast is. Uh, Jason, do you want to ask Richard a question about tonight? Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, it seemed like the, uh, Car- the not Carmella, the uh, Charlotte-Becky match came across pretty well. The crowd seemed to be pretty into it, even though uh, it was two baby faces against each other. What was uh, your impression as far as live crowd reaction to the uh, the match between the two of them? Uh, I think Becky was probably leaning a little bit more as the favorite here for the live crowd. It was a nice match. Uh, I think it was a nice uh, showing for both. Uh, I'm glad to see Becky got the win. Uh, but I, I think the crowd was probably a little bit more pro Becky, maybe the underdog. I'm not sure, but uh, they liked both. But but Becky was probably the favorite. The uh, you mentioned that Nakamura and Styles did not appear in front of the crowd. I'm not even sure they were in the building. For all I know, they taped that segment uh, earlier. Did I, I didn't see enough of uh, a backdrop to be able to even recognize if they were actually in that building or anything like that. The cameo, by the way, was Dean Malenko and Adam Pierce. They're the ones who pulled right, AJ yeah. away. Well, Adam- yeah, Adam appeared later on uh, during the 205 uh, taping. So uh, it, it could be that they were both here. I'm not sure, but there was no indication that they were. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I don't think every wrestler should be on – every top wrestler should be on every episode of Raw or SmackDown. But at the same time, if people pay their money to see the SmackDown brand and you don't see anything but a video of Nakamura and Styles, uh, that – I mean, I'm assuming it. I shouldn't assume. I, I, it's certainly possible that at some point Styles and Nakamura were advertised, and I can imagine people being disappointed if all they did is see him on the big screen. And I, I, when I asked what the dark match was, I was kind of expecting AJ and Nakamura would be there, but uh, Brian and uh, Hardy were not uh, on the uh, on SmackDown either. So at least fans got them. It would have been quite the disappointing thin lineup if uh, if. There was no Styles, Nakamura, Brian, or Hardy on on the show in terms of being in front of the fans in person. Yeah, it was it was nice to see Brian here. Uh, Brian obviously trained in San Antonio, so yeah. Corpus Christi was part of that kind of territory, I guess you could say, that Shawn Michaels ran back in what ninety nine two thousand. So Brian's no stranger to the area. So it's nice to see him back in Texas. Always fun to see him back here. Uh, but yeah, that was a big plus, and I think most of the crowd stayed. Uh, to see Brian and, and, and Jeff Hardy, obviously. But, yeah, I'm a little, a little disappointed. I think this is the second week in a row that AJ didn't appear on yeah. before the lifecraft. Maybe the second in three weeks. I'm with you. I'm not in, I'm not in favor of, of the top stars being on TV every single week. Uh, but uh, I believe this was might have been two in a row for AJ, which was 
kind of surprising. Uh, but, you know, especially with the, the pay-per-view coming in, what, two weeks now, less than two weeks now. How, uh, how would you rank the reaction to New Day in the, uh, the TV main event relative to other baby faces on the show? Again, without AJ, without Brian, um, without Jeff Hardy, there wasn't a lot of competition on the men's side. I mean, it's, you got right. Jimmy Uso and Carl Anderson as the other two main male baby faces on SmackDown. That's crazy. Um, right. But how, how did the crowd uh, did, did the crowd react to New Day like uh, a top, top act well above anybody else on that show on the men's side? Oh, definitely. I mean, there was a lot of young people in the crowd. Uh, New Day was, uh, was a big hit with the young folks in the crowd, my kids as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, New Day was probably the, the star attraction, tonight, especially on the babyface side on, on TV anyway. Uh, they did promise and promote Brian uh, in the dark match, uh, I would say about three-quarters into the show. Uh, during a commercial break, Paige came out and made, made that announcement. Uh, That's smart. But New Day, you know, as far as the TV show goes, yeah, New Day was uh, probably the big, big attraction. In general, when the segments were shown on the big screen, because we had – the Sin Cara promo, the Samoa Joe promo, the Styles Nakamura contract right. signing. Did did the fans like stay glued to the screen, or did they seem restless? Like, did it seem like part of the show, or just uh, a distraction from the show? Uh, no, I don't say it was a distraction. I, I, they were kind of indifferent to the Sin Cara. Uh, what was it? Almost a belief. And uh, but the Nakamura AJ thing was kind of well done. Uh, and uh, it, it kind of got their, it kept their attention, especially the slap there at the, at the end from AJ. That that kind of got a big reaction from the crowd. But uh, yeah, they were they were pretty engaged to to most of the video segments. Not all of them, but most of them. What uh, were you there early enough to see if anything happened? If there was a warm up match before SmackDown went live? Yeah, it, it was uh, Shelton Benjamin and losing to Kalisto, I believe. All right. Shelton lives. We can uh, yeah. take off the APB bulletin on where he's been. Um, or the APB. APB bulletin, I think, is redundant. Um, uh, Jason, do you have anything else you want to ask uh, Richard about his experience tonight? Yeah, I mean, just one quick question about Rusev. You know, Wade, Wade and I were talking earlier. It's interesting how they're using the whole Rusev Day thing to get over uh, basically Lana Day. They're giving her uh, her own day. When Rusev came out, it seemed like he was getting mostly booze, which is different than what he's been getting each week. I mean, was that your sense being there live? Was there a lot of uh, you know vocal support for him, or were they reacting to him like a traditional heel? You know, I thought it was it was odd that he seemed to have a lot of support without Anna, without Aiden, uh, Lana, I'm sorry, without Lana and without Aiden at his side tonight, uh, which was nice to see. Uh, like I said, aside from Miz. I mean, uh, Samoa Joe. I would say he was probably got had the biggest uh, support as a as a traditional heel. I would I would think. Uh, it certainly weren't uh, disappointed to see uh, Joe and and Rusev turn on Miss tonight. Uh, did you uh, where where did you sit and if you don't mind, what did you pay for your ticket and did you think it was a good value? Uh, yeah, well, we, we uh, kind of treated our daughter to to the. Uh, surprise! It was the end of the school year, and we're on vacation. So yeah, we kind of splurged a little bit. We were on the fourth floor, on the floor, uh, seat over from the aisle. So we got to uh, see a lot, see a lot of the oh nice the stars up close. And this was their first time. It's not our first WWE show. Uh, we were at Royal Rumble in San Antonio, what last year, and uh, but uh, certainly it's up close. This up close, yeah, it was a nice, uh, nice treat. And uh, how, how old is she? We're about ninety. She's six. 
Oh, cool. Okay. Six. So, yeah, um, she was a little little uh, tired there at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Hung in there for fun. Uh, but uh, they were $90 a piece, and uh, we, we bought three of them. So, yeah, we... Uh, we, we, we would worth it to us. We, she had a good time. She had a memorable night, hopefully. So we enjoy ourselves. Very good. Uh, anything else you want to share with us about the experience tonight? Uh, any observations from the type of crowd, merchandise you saw a lot of, any fights in the crowd? I don't know. Anything else? Uh, the merchandise was kind of predictable. There was some, it was, AJ probably had the most stuff out there. It was a John Cena shirt. Uh, there was a special Usos shirt for the, this event. I think it was for this event. Hmm. It was uh, Texas down uh, down since day one, uh, kind of in the Houston Texans colors. So uh, that was a kind of a unique piece. But uh, other than that, I mean, there was a, plenty of uh, of the usual SmackDown uh, stars with their merchandise. But uh, crowd was crowd was good. Crowd, you know, like it's summer summertime, so everybody seemed to be enthusiastic, enjoying themselves. All right, cool. Well, Richard, uh, thanks for uh, sharing with us details of your experience at the show tonight. Yeah, well, I appreciate you hanging in there for me. Like I said, the show ran a little bit late, but after Houston no-showed last night, uh, I was uh, kind of hoping to come through. So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You did, and we appreciate it. All right, thank you, Wade. You bet, thanks. Do you remember when Hulk Hogan shocked the world and formed the New World Order? Or when Stone Cold Steve Austin passed down in the sharpshooter to Bret the Hitman Hart? I'm Torch contributor Frank Pettiani, and I've reviewed these shows and many more for my exclusive VIP podcast, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back 10, 20, even 30 years, review pay-per-views from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what took place then to what what is taking place now. You get exclusive access to these and other podcasts as part of your PW Torch VIP membership, which is compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. Visit pwtorch.com slash govip for details and sign up for them. Let's jump into uh, the emails. Uh, uh, let's see, JM says, Big Cass's character talks too much for a big man. He speaks like he's talking to preschoolers. The promo he cut seems like it was written for Kane when he said he was the biggest, smartest opponent of Daniel Bryan and nobody held a bigger grudge that Kane did for Taker. It was a heel promo and heels lie, so I understand. But, um, so that's his comment. Um, uh, Jason, what, did you th- what do you think in general of Big Cass's promos and character and the way that, in the job that he's done building up this Daniel Bryan feud? I mentioned at the top of the show... I felt like maybe his segment went 30% too long, but other than that, I thought it was it was good, and I think uh, the, the annoyance that JM is feeling is intended and not a bad thing as long as you don't feel that way for two full hours. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, what Cass is doing, and I don't know if it's just him or if it's just the material they're giving him, he's not lighting my world on fire right now. I, I think he's he's doing okay with what they've given him. You mentioned before about priests. <laughs> Someone mentioned preschoolers, and maybe preschoolers were writing the material for him. I don't know. Um, I wasn't really a huge fan when they started this program of the whole, I'm the big man, you're the little man. It just feels very played out to me. And then they did yeah. the segment with the little person, and I wasn't a fan of that. So what what they have him doing when he comes out there is not really uh, impressing me. What I did, and I, I saw what they were doing tonight when they had him out there on the platform. And this is why I think the whole Renee Young 
being on the platform interviewing people is probably not meant to be a long-term thing. They sort of go through these phases where they bring that back, the old Mean Gene platform, and then it vanishes. Mm -hmm. But I think they did it tonight. Uh, It was obvious they filmed it in such a way they wanted to make Cass feel and look even bigger than he is. They were kind of – the cameraman was crouched down. They were shooting him uh, sort of the way they used to do that with Andre, where they would kind of shoot – you know, aiming up, and it made him look like he was eight feet tall. So, uh, you know, I recognize that right away. And look, they have to, you know, make it. They're trying to make a new star. You know, they're they're putting him with Brian. I think they're doing all the right things. Uh, and I wouldn't call him a failure or anything like that. But he's not really doing a whole lot to excite me right now. Um, I don't know. If, again, if it's just the material they're giving him in terms of his verbiage. His matches certainly have not uh, impressed me all that much. That's why I think this match coming up at Money in the Bank is going to be a big test for him. Uh, I thought their first match was not that good at all. Uh, And so I'm very curious to see what kind of match they have uh, on the 17th. I think it's going to be a big test for him. Uh, Absolutely. It is a big test for him. And I think they're, they're rooting for him to or not banking on but you know they're investing in him and and they hope that he catches on he's a if you're that size you're going to get a chance um you know a chance that a roderick strong won't get on the main roster you know pick your guy who's under six feet tall uh you're gonna get that chance even if you have shortcomings and Cass had some shortcomings i think he's progressing i think he's showing enough that i don't think this is a waste of time uh but you're right Uh, a couple weeks at money in the bank it's a test for him because if you can't um, deliver in a match with Daniel Bryan in, in a big way. It's time to you know take a step back in the push and, and develop a little more. I think you're right. It's really played out where the gimmick with Daniel Bryan is you're little, um, and you know there's just a little too much of that when it comes to talking about Daniel Bryan. And I thought when Cass talked about you know I'm walking behind this guy after he won WrestleMania and thinking my God you know how can someone that small be the the star of WrestleMania? And I just I feel a little uncomfortable that Big Cass is just channeling Vince McMahon's inner feelings about Daniel Bryan and it's sort of like this therapeutic session for Vince to let someone express what he's really thinking, but the plausible deniability of it not being him and and well it's a heel so it's just to get heat. Um, I don't know. I mean. I just want Daniel Bryan to be celebrated for being great for what he is and not draw attention to the one thing that might cause people who aren't on board or who are to hesitate getting behind him as a top guy. I think it does more damage than good, even though I understand it would be something a big guy would say about a little guy if he was being a bully. Yeah, and I think what hurts is that, you know, he is big, and that really, I think right now that really is the only thing he has going for him. I think what hurts also is you look on Raw – and they have a, a big guy on Raw. His name is Braun Strowman. And Strowman, the fans have taken to him organically. They've gotten behind him. He does things in there that you don't normally see someone of his size doing. He's a genuinely impressive performer for someone his size. Then you look at Cass and you say, well, what's so dynamic about him? What is it about him that stands out? When he's in the ring and the bell goes off, what is it about him that makes people go, wow, that's, that's really impressive? I have yet to see it. And so just being big in today's day and age, I don't think, is enough because if you look at – and not just WWE but on the indies and a lot of other promotions, in a lot of ways it's the era of the small man. Uh, whereas it's it was a very, very different 25, 30 years ago, I don't think it's enough to just get by now just because you're big even though he may stand out more because there aren't as many people who are as big as him. But you can't just – 
be big. And I haven't seen uh, much more than that yet out of cast. But again, it, it's early. Uh, I, I think he may have been one of the he may have been a beneficiary of staying in NXT longer. Um, but that's you know, that that ship has sailed. And uh, like I said, money in the bank is, is going to be a big test for him. And, and we'll see where he goes from there. But to me, it's not enough just to be big. And, and Strowman is a good example of that. He's big, but he's a very dynamic performer. He's he's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. All right, uh, JM also says, should they be writing Carmella's character to be so fearless? I thought she was a smarmy heel prior. For her to see the almighty Asuka defeat two women in a handicap match and then boldly walk up to Asuka after the match like she was enhancement talent doesn't seem to match her image. Um, It's an interesting point. Uh, What do you think, Jason? Is, Is Carmella just absurdly delusional is that what we're supposed to think or or you know like to, to be a heel who's that bold to just walk up in oscar's face and hold the belt up like you don't impress me I, I guess i guess we're just supposed to believe she's that delusional well either delusional i mean i i don't really have a problem with it because i mean she's the champion they're trying to uh i guess toughen her up in a way mm-hmm. i mean it's fine to be the uh you know kind of the scaredy cat heel miz we've seen miz play that role i think there's a place for that on the show um, it may have more to do with maybe them. Maybe the issue is that they need to sort of go back to what they were doing before with Asuka. Asuka doesn't feel quite as much of a, a badass as she used to. But, you know, they're trying to toughen up Carmella. They don't want her just running scared from people. And I'm okay with that. Um, but I do think that uh, it has more to do with Asuka maybe being, trying to find what the right word, not, not dumbed down, but sort of, uh, she doesn't come across as as much of a threat as she used to be sure and 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 you know look again it, you can't stay undefeated forever right so they're trying something different with her they're trying to get over some some new faces on the show you know them trying to make carmella come off as tougher i think is is fine and and still she does you know cheat to win sometimes she'll run away it's not like she's uh you know coming across like rambo or anything like that uh, but she is the champion, and you want your champion to come across strong. So I don't, I don't have too much of a an issue with it. All right, uh, we've been talking about the uh, different format, I guess, presentation, production-wise. Uh, you talked about that at the top of the show. We talked about it with our on-site correspondent. The crowd watched the big screen for a decent amount of time. Uh, Russell from Kentucky says, "Was it just me, or did the AJ Nakamura contract signing and the cast interview feel like a throwback to the late '80s, early '90s?" And and it did, and that's not a bad thing. Like I, I when I watch wrestling back from different eras, uh, not everything about wrestling before today was better. Some people are like, ah, you know, today it's so much worse than it used to be, and it's always like, you know, when you first became a fan and you ignored all the bad stuff, and it was, it, it captured your imagination and you just loved it. But the there is something about the presentation of wrestling that has varied with different visions, uh, especially when they're all the different territories doing their own thing based on budget and setting and vision. And, and you know, Eric Bischoff in the mid-90s completely 
uh, blew up the format and look for for wrestling shows, and uh, it's the thing he deserves more credit for than anything in terms of his legacy in this industry is raising the level of what a wrestling show looks like and what the budget looks like. I mean, if you look back at the early Nitros now, it might not be, you know, blow people away. But if you watch the previous three years of wrestling leading up to Nitro's launch and you immerse yourself in that, Nitro was in a massive step up, the biggest step up in production values that I think there's really ever been. Um, and, and they did things differently. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, the, the Nitro girls dancing, the spring break setting, um, all kind, I mean, there are all kinds of things that they did, the different placement of the announce desk. I like that. I was, I've always been hoping with a roster split at, when they split Raw and SmackDown and acted like they were rivals that there would be more differences than just one announce team on the stage and one at ringside. Um, and they did a couple other things. They had the, the camera crane for SmackDown that, that they, I think they gave up on that. I didn't think it looked particularly good, but at least it gave a different vibe to things. I, I am a fan of, of watching some old wrestling and going, hey, that's something we haven't done in a while. That we could make look fresh again. So it was a throwback, but in a totally good way. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I actually I, I disagree. Uh, you made a comment before about if you look back at those old nitros, they may not look as impressive. Hey, they had pyro back then. We don't <laughs> even get pyro now. But yeah, I mean, between whether it's the pyro, you mentioned the spring break setting, uh, the nitro girls... Even just the way the arenas were, were, were set up and the yep. staging and everything. I mean, I, I look back on those shows now, and I think on some weeks it looks even more impressive than Raw does. And I think part of it is, again, if you look at Raw and SmackDown, there's not a whole lot of variety between the two if you just look at them. right? They The shows have had the same look for years, and it never really uh, changes. I mean, they'll add little uh, things, you know, the, the uh, signage around the – ring posts and now they have the led ring skirts so yeah they try new things like that that sort of freshens up the look of the show i think they need to do more of that so you know you mentioned the contract signing the last time i can remember and i and maybe there was one in recent years that i'm neglecting but uh the last backstage contract signing like that that i can remember on smackdown probably is uh 2002 2003 they did something where stephanie is back there and it was brock lesnar and The Undertaker. And it was just this sit-down, sort of face-to-face thing. And I remember that being a great segment. It was very memorable. And you don't always need to be in front of the crowd, especially, you know, some some weeks the crowd likes to hijack the show and they do what chance. And it really takes you out of the moment. So I, I like the contract signing a lot. I think AJ's uh, slap on Nakamura. I haven't watched all of Raw, but from what I understand, it was probably better than all of Raw <laughs> last night. Yes. Uh, that one slap. So I was I was a big fan of uh, of that segment and and the cast promo, less the promo and just more uh, the way they sort of set it up. And I'd like to to see them do more of that. I think it, it just sort of it, it breaks up the monotony of the shows, and that's never a bad thing. Well, uh, it's funny, as you were saying that, I was trying to think if I could beat you to the punch on, on not, not interrupting you, but like, can I think of what you're about to say as the last contract signing? <laughs> and all I had was a vision of Brock Lesnar, uh, as you were saying that. And so when you said, I'm like, wow, I actually like had this hazy memory of Brock being the last guy who was at a backstage contract signing. So um, I'm, I'm kind of sort of impressed with myself for that one. <laughs> uh, good memory, though. And yeah, I, I liked it. We got another email here. This is from uh, Tad C., who says, how good was that camera angle on the slap in the contract signing between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura? AJ was out of the shot, and when Shinsuke gave his cocky smile, AJ was able to smack off his face. I love that. 
This has been my favorite angle in quite some time for WWE. How are you guys feeling about this feud going into Money in the Bank? We've talked about, you know, they weren't in front of the crowd, it was on the screen and the setting, but I I just, I like the angle. I I like Nakamura um, just taking his time. This pen's out of ink. This pen is broken. And then, you know, pulling out the pen, his very own pen to sign the contract. I thought he was great. He's got just an arrogant swagger that is enjoyable to watch, but not so much so that you're rooting for him necessarily. A few people will, I'm sure. Uh, but it helps to have a popular babyface opposite of him to kind of keep people from getting too, too behind Shinsuke in kind of a, uh, a uh, rebellious way. Uh, but Shinsuke is having fun. And I didn't think he was having fun for the first year he was in this company. And I think he's having fun now. And AJ, a little hot-headed, a little tightly wound, um, but for all the right reasons. You know, you're, you, this, this guy's playing head games. I want to be a fighting champion, an honorable champion, and I'm kind of afraid I'm going to lose to a guy who doesn't deserve this championship, at least not the way he's acting now. And you can tell AJ's wound up and reacting the way that he is because he takes pride in being champion, and he doesn't want to let down the brand and the fans and himself by losing to a guy because that guy gets into his head. And I just think it's good, really good basic one-on-one booking. I really like the segment. I loved just Adam Pearce and Dean Malenko being in the shot. Not a lot of attention drawn to them, but they served a purpose in terms of pulling AJ away. They were there to control the situation if it got out of hand, which it did. I'm just, I'm, I'm with Tad. I thought this was a really well done segment and, um, you know, I taught, at the top of the show, I said, you know, what was the number one story on the show? And, you know, I think it's because it wasn't in the ring, but I, this might have been the best segment on the show. And I'm I'm liking this feud, even though it's been going on, as AJ said, seemingly forever. Uh, Jason, what do you think? Anything to add to the segment, but also where are you on this feud? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels to me like the feud is winding down. I think uh, Money in the Bank will will probably be the end of it. I mean, I guess they could do one more match. They have uh, one more pay-per-view after that before SummerSlam. It just feels like it's it's winding down. It's finally coming to a conclusion. I mean, my, my gut tells me that, you know, AJ is not dropping the championship. I don't know that Shinsuke is going to get it, but I'm with you in that. I, I really, of late, have have enjoyed what they've done with them. I thought one of the things that was great about the segment was, and maybe being backstage helped, I don't know, but it felt real. You can relate to AJ. This guy is acting so arrogant. All you want to do is smack him in the face, and you know he got under AJ's skin. And, and if you kind of put yourself in AJ's shoes, I mean, here's a guy who's been giving you low blows week after week, uh, you know, now he's claiming, oh, you know, I don't speak English and my pen doesn't work. I mean, <laughs> if, if you were AJ, you'd be ready to blow a gasket, too. And you would want to do what he did, which is smack the uh, smirk right off of his face. So I thought just the whole the way this was was handled and, and the dialogue and AJ's reaction uh, really put it over the top. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, they had that TV match a few weeks ago, which I actually think was one of the best matches up to this point that they've had. Yeah. Now they have the last man standing stipulation, so I'm looking forward to that match. Uh, as much as I'd love to see you know Nakamura win the championship, just because I think he's doing some of the best work. I, I think he is doing the best work, uh, you know, of his uh, main roster run so far. Uh, it just it feels to me like the time to take the title off AJ, uh, probably later in the summer, and not right now. And 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 who knows? Maybe they transition into something with Brian and Nakamura. I mean, Nakamura, I think has has. Uh, a wealth of different people he can uh, be matched up with, but his heel run has been very refreshing. I think it's really uh, breathed new life into him on this brand. 
To- totally agree, and and uh, I, I'm glad that AJ isn't just on TV wrestling every week either. I think it's it's adding some anticipation to having him wrestle Nakamura because we're not seeing AJ just out there having matches, tag matches against Nakamura or some su- some uh, subsidiary feud uh, to fill TV time. And again, this goes back to how many women that they have now that they feel they can justify putting on TV in segments and. Uh, Naomi and Lana in English and, and Jimmy Uso. It's like when you can get a match out of that, a segment filled with that, if it saves AJ from a match, that's great. I would have liked to have seen a little more uh, build up to Carl Anderson and Luke Harper, um, just you know, a little promo or a setup for the match. But you know that that filled four minutes of TV time, um, and so it, it just yeah. I mean, I thought it was uh, an, an economical show in that sense that they didn't burn out the top names, but they kind of know they're gonna. Hold ratings pretty steady if they don't, so it's smart not to over to uh, to overexpose AJ and, and certainly at his age, he's a commodity that you want to protect. Support us on Patreon starting at four dollars and ninety nine cents. Get these shows ad free and bonus VIP content. That's four dollars and ninety nine cents on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. Um, uh, Chris P. says, are we living with replays of big casts? Isn't that the same promo that he cut before Backlash? Danny Bryan beat him, and it wasn't close, and WWE's not, like, even aware of it after this promo tonight. It's painful to watch this guy spitting out nothing that makes sense and what he already said multiple times. Does WWE think we are that dumb? Wow, he is tall, and that's all he has going, but Daniel already wrapped him up like a pretzel a few times, and they still try to push the same promo. So, uh, Chris, upset with the cast promo. I agree, it was repetitive, too much of the same thing. It's almost like he keeps redoing it to try to get better at it. Um, that all said... If, if it was just 30% shorter, it's still a decent heel promo in the sense that, you know, Cass lost. He he did acknowledge that, um, and he had some excuse that I can't remember for, you know, why that, that didn't bother him. Um, so I'm not as down on it as Chris, Jason, but I think there's something to be said for keeping Cass's segments a little shorter. If he wants to practice talking for a long time, maybe do it at a house show. Yeah, do it at a house show or do it in the mirror in his bathroom or something. I, I think uh, Chris made a good point, though. He mentioned that we've seen Brian wrap him up in a pretzel. Not only that, he tapped him out. And I think that goes to the point we were having a discussion earlier. You know, what is Cass missing? And I, I said, it's not enough for him just, oh, I'm big. There's got to be more to it. Well, if the story is I'm big and you're small, well, in their very first match, Brian not only beat him, but he he made him submit. He tapped him out. And so what exactly is it that, you know, Cass really has over Brian? We've already seen the little guy beat the big guy by tapping him out. Uh, I think maybe that should have come later on, you know, if that was sort of the – if if that was the idea. That doesn't help his his case either when in the very first match uh, it was a pretty clean, decisive win by Brian. So, again, it's hard to sort of take what he says seriously. Again, I use Nia Jax as as an example – uh, in that she's been on television saying to uh, you know Ronda Rousey, you know try me, try try putting me in the armbar. You won't be able to do it. Well, it was at the beginning of March before WrestleMania on television that we saw Nia tap out to an armbar in a match with Asuka. And so now we're supposed to almost forget that that happened and nobody can armbar me. It's almost like I feel like they have short-term selective memory sometimes with these things. 
Uh, and those of us who pay attention to the little things like that, it's it's hard sometimes to to buy into it when we've already seen these things before. It's like we're supposed to forget about them. Uh, so that that aspect of it, I I'm not really a fan of. But I, I think Chris made a good point there by you know pointing out that Brian has already tapped him out. I, I want to see Brian next week give us a good rebuttal to everything Cass has been saying and get fans excited to see Brian take him down and beat him again. And part of that is is Brian is saying I beat you before. I'm going to beat you again and and have a rebuttal for this big man little little man thing so that if people are bored with Cass at least they're excited about seeing Daniel Bryan teach him a lesson. I, I'm a little fearful they're going to extend it another month and another month, and we're not going to get it, you know a really top end feud with Brian um, this summer. Uh, do you predict that this ends at Money in the Bank? Does it end in July? Do they extend it to August with SummerSlam? What's your prediction as far as that goes? I think it carries into July, and I'm not even sure if that's a pay per view match or even maybe just a big television match. Uh, I don't think it ends at Money in the Bank. I, but I also don't think that this is still going to be happening at SummerSlam. I have to think, now that Brian will be challenging for the title or anything, and I, I also think his contract status is probably going to play a role in how high profile a match he has at SummerSlam, because we still don't know if he's staying or not with WWE. Uh, I think he will, but I, I don't believe that's been resolved yet. Um, but my guess is this wraps up sometime in July, and, and Brian moves on to... Uh, someone like Joe or Nakamura at SummerSlam. All right, another email uh, from Tim B. He says, I want to say I really enjoyed the match between Becky Lynch and Charlotte. It wasn't an industry rocking classic, but I thought it told a nice little story about balancing friendship and professional competition. Plus, a Becky victory always puts a smile on my face. She's just so likable and easy to get behind. What do you think this means for her chances at Money in the Bank? I could see this go both ways. could be a classic reverse psychology, or are they positioning her strongly to win? Um, when you look at the the, the the possible winners at Money in the Bank, who is uh, is Becky on your list of people that you don't think it's crazy to bet money on possibly winning? No, I mean I, I don't think it's uh, I, I wouldn't bet any money on any WWE. <laughs> well, WWE, my goodness, I mean the way that they do things, forget about it. I you know I wouldn't put five dollars down on this, but uh, Becky's not on my short list. I mean I I've talked about this on my show. My pick to win. Uh, Money in the Bank, is my early pick anyway, is Natty. And only because I think it may play into uh, an eventual split with Ronda. Uh, maybe, you know, even that night, even in the middle of Ronda's championship opportunity. If Natty wins the briefcase earlier, she can come out and, and maybe sort of ruin her night. So for storyline purposes, I think Natty has as good a shot as anyone. And also, I think it would shock a lot of people because, you know, Natalia's been around for a long time and... I don't know that too many people would expect her to be the one to come away with the briefcase, but my top two on my list right now is Natty and Sasha. Uh, so, so Becky, you know, it was nice they gave her a big win tonight, but if anything, to me, that sort of almost foreshadows that she's not going to win uh, at, at the pay per view. Yeah. So the whole reverse psychology of it. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. All right. Let's uh, sneak in one more question here. Paul L from Long Island. Hey, wait, after watching SmackDown, I have to wonder, what's going on with him calling up people but not doing anything with them? I missed Summer Raw last night, so I watched what I missed before SmackDown and noticed the lack of authors of pain in the Tag Team Battle Royal. Also, still no sanity on SmackDown. Why bother calling up a team and advertising them if you have nothing for them, right? I have to toss this out. Am I the only one who found the constant camera changes during the cast promo annoying and distracting? Yeah, I thought those were a little much. Uh, and you mentioned this on a podcast last week. 
about indie stars who were popular elsewhere and didn't work out in WWE. This episode did remind me that Mystico, original Sin Cara, is an example of that. Paul from Long Island, and he says, P.S., go VIP, I just did. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I thought that I noticed that the camera angles with Cass were uh, bouncing around probably a little more than they than than they ought to going forward. Uh, I don't think they were familiar with that setting, and I don't know sometimes you watch like a stand up comedy thing, and they're just changing camera angles constantly to try to keep you from dozing off for some reason. It's like just point a hard camera at a comedian if it's good, I'll watch. Um, with Cass, I don't know. Maybe they were trying. They knew it was a long promo, and maybe they were trying to shake things up to keep people from thinking it was repetitive, but I thought it was a little a little much and a little distracting or disorienting. Yeah, I made the comment earlier that it, it reminded me of the way they used to sort of shoot Andre when he would walk out. I think it had yeah. more to do just with they wanted to get as many angles and views of him uh, to make him look bigger and taller than he was. I think that probably had a lot to do with it. And also, like you said, the length of the promo, uh, you can only keep one sort of static shot for so long. I mean... It was long enough that I was kind of part of me was hoping as the promo dragged on that the camera angle would switch to something completely different, perhaps mm-hmm. backstage as he uh, <laughs> finished his promo out in front of the crowd. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think I think a lot of it just had to do uh, with them just wanting to get these great shots of him and make him sort of look like he's towering over everybody else. Yeah. Excellent. Jason, thanks. Always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, Wade. You bet. Now, before we go, we've got a bonus section for you today, tacked on to the end of today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post-show covering SmackDown. On uh, yesterday's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post-show, following our discussion of this week's Raw, I posted my Wade Keller hotline running down WWE Raw from five years ago this week. Well, today we're adding a bonus section on to the end, and this is the Wade Keller hotline from ten years ago this week, reacting to Monday Night Raw from ten years ago this week, this uh, Wade Keller Hotline originally posted for PW Torch VIP members back on June second, two thousand eight. Covered the first episode of Raw in the year two thousand eight. So it's kind of fun to go back and uh, listen on the anniversary date to kind of mark what's happening, uh, what, hap- what was happening five years ago and ten years ago. And it's sometimes surprising how some things are the same and some things are incredibly different. And part of the benefit of being a VIP member is you can go back into the audio archive. With some podcast memberships, there's a complicated system of having to enter a username and password in advanced settings, and it works on some apps but not others. That's not the case with PW Torch VIP membership. We now have a slick setup where you're a single click away when you go VIP from having your podcast feed automatically generated on Apple Podcasts. All you need is an authorized VIP membership as soon as you sign up on our express sign-up form, which takes about a minute. You'll get a link and you click on it and it opens Apple Podcasts and subscribes. No entering anything, no advanced settings. You can also subscribe on more podcast apps than ever other than Apple Podcasts, including Beyond Pod and Dogcatcher on Android and many others on iPhones and iOS. So VIP membership, it's more convenient than you realize. Get all the benefits of VIP membership, all the VIP exclusive podcasts and these shows with the ads and plugs removed with a VIP membership pwtorch.com slash go VIP. It's quick, it's easy, it's convenient, and we think it's worth it. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. This is pwtorch.com editor Wade Keller with the Daily Keller Hotline for Monday, June 2nd. Well, the new Raw is just like the old Raw. Um, After Jim Ross talked about how there were changes coming for Raw, seriously, there was nothing different about this show than... uh, 
than a typical Raw. Um, no, same old story. We had a teaser of Jeff Hardy maybe getting into a pay-per-view main event, and they pulled the rug right out from other fans again, which I think is almost, it probably is worse than just not even putting Jeff Hardy in that position. The central storyline of the show was a main event. First ever match, John Cena versus Jeff Hardy. And they don't even know how to do this right. I mean, yeah, they did a nice little angle where Triple H came out. They certainly acted like Orton was persona non grata at this point. He didn't, I mean, they said, yep, Age of Orton is officially broken, done, finished, over. It's as if it never existed. And and that's it. I mean, they were done with him. So he's going to be out long enough that they're not spending any time on him. It's time to move on with the show. Um, And then uh, John Cena came out and talked about silly stuff about how everybody knows the future. Or he says, I know what it's like to not know the future, but everybody watching around the world knows the future is now. It's like, we do? I mean, isn't the future not now? By definition, isn't now present and ahead is the future? I mean, I don't know. Um, and he said, anyway, he said, sounded like Hillary talking to Obama. We see eye to eye for the most part on a lot of things other than the nomination of the Democratic Party or the WWE Championship. He said, Triple H, we only have, what, a few more hours to talk about this probably, so i got to sneak in one last Obama-Hillary analogy. Uh, but anyway, he said he wants a title, and he said with the draft coming, uh, he doesn't know if he'll have another opportunity to challenge him for the belt. And he said, are you ready? Are you ready for the biggest event of this business? And then he compared himself to uh, him, himself against Triple H to the Yankees-Red Sox or Celtics-Lakers or the Stanley Cup, the World Series, or the Lottery, and even the Super Bowl. And he said, it's all rolled into one. Are you ready to fight? Triple H said, uh, a very big star in the industry once looked him dead in the eye and said, you want some? Come get some. So I don't know where the Scott Hall reference came from. Um, I mean, if they're looking to pop a rating, that's a guy who can do it. Um, <laughs> and if he's got his head on straight and Sean Waltman's available and you bring in Hall and Waltman, you're shaking things up. And I think there'd be some interest in that. I mean, there's all this talk about Ultimate Warrior and what he might do for TNA. Um, there's less baggage with Hall and Waltman, both out of fresh through, you know, coming through WWE paid treatment. Um, that would be an interesting twist on things. Now, Hall looks a lot older. I haven't seen Waltman in a while. Um, so who knows if, if fans are just kind of looking and go, oh, they're not the way I remember them, or if they'd come in and, and be a hit. But who knows? I'm just when you hear a reference like that, it makes you think and speculate and comment. Um, anyway, at that point, Jeff Hardy's music interrupted. Jeff Hardy limped to the ring. And Ross talked about what an amazing performance he put in 24 minutes ago. Hardy said, hey, wait a second. There were three individual wrestlers who won matches on Raw last night. You, you, and me. And he says, we're all here. And he says, I know what Vince McMahon likes. He likes to deliver what fans want. And he also loves firsts. And he thinks fans would love to see uh, him against Cena. And he thinks that uh, that would also be a first. So uh, Triple H was all for it. He said, yeah, you guys work it out. I'd like to see you guys wrestle. Then Vince McMahon walked out on the stage and talked about how what fans really want is to be eligible for a million dollars next week. And then he suggested a totally original idea he came up with himself of having Hardy face Cena in the TV main event. And the winner faces Triple H at Night of the Champions. Now, I said they couldn't even promote this match right because they didn't. Because at this point, all they did to promote this match was have Ross and Lawler mention it twice going in and out of a commercial. And that's it. And then the match took place. In the meantime, you had John Cena flirting with Mickey James in, in a, a, a segment. This is an, an angle in a storyline I like, and I didn't even mind a decent amount of what they did in the skit, but it was one of those stupid instances where wrestlers are talking in front of a camera 
about things that they don't want people to hear or see. Because Cena was complaining to Mickey about how these people are gossiping about how they're more than friends. And Mickey's like, yeah, it's just so annoying. We're just friends. And then right in front of the camera, John Cena starts flirting with her. And says, oh, you left this underwear behind yesterday. And throws underwear in her lap. And, and Mickey before that joked about how uh, good-looking Cena is. And, and this type of thing. I mean, it's just... It just makes no sense, and they ignored that the camera was there the whole time, and it's just stupid um, when they do that. There, there's, you don't have to do it that way. The camera should always be visible to the wrestlers, or it should always be invisible to the wrestlers. Either way is fine with me. I prefer visible, frankly, because it should be, Raw should come across as documenting a sporting event with cameras at ringside, cameras backstage, roaming around, Everybody understands the rules. Everyone's in front of the camera. Every once in a while, there can be a camera that catches somebody saying something around a corner. Or there's a camera that's, that catches two people talking in the distance who don't know that the camera was going to be there. That type of thing you can sneak in. But this idea of sometimes wrestlers look right at the camera and uh, ham it up. And then other times, wrestlers just right with the camera right there, tell each other secrets. It's just stupid, it's lazy, it's unprofessional, it's not what's done in the television industry in any other genre, Vince McMahon. Not one other genre is that kind of sloppy narrative formatting allowed. And, it's, and, and I say that, and, and it's just this tiny little thing, but I think it distracts from a really engaging, fun storyline, which is a Cena-Mickey James thing. All they have to do is act bashful, acknowledge the camera's there, and act bashful when Cena teases her a little bit and have Mickey look at the camera just like they pull off on The Office with that... With that narrative of the fact that the office is a documentary and there's cameras there. And every once in a while they look at the camera and they acknowledge that they know the cameras are there and that they're being filmed by this independent documentary crew. Obviously it worked better in the UK where it was a short-term series because this is a really long documentary. But we can get past that in the context of a sitcom. Raw doesn't even go that far to try to explain it. And it's annoying because there are people watching that going, if John Cena and Mickey are afraid of people gossiping about him, why are they flirting right in front of a camera? And you don't want to distract, whether it's 10%, 50%, or 90% of your audience, you don't want to distract them with that. And they do. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. Now, back to the Cena Hardy hype. They are so in the rut of how they've always done things. They need to bring somebody in to shake up the format and give the show a fresh feel. And part of that is when you have a first ever match with Jeff Hardy and John Cena, you promote it as a bigger deal and you actually talk about the sporting aspect of it, the competitive fight aspect of it. Jens Pulver and Uriah Faber or, or USC's, you know, with their, with their pay-per-view specials, you look at the way that they build these matches up and they get you excited about the rivalry and they talk about strategy. Pro wrestling is entertainment, and it has all these other bells and whistles. But at its core, it has to be—it has to come across as a as, as a simulation of a real fighting situation. That's at the heart of what it is. And you've got Stephen McMahon and Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon who want to run from that so badly, 
and they don't get that that can enhance everything else that they like about the about the wrestling industry. And it's what people are crying out for. It's what raw viewers really want. I truly, truly believe that. It's reflected in the emails I receive. And trust me, if people didn't think this, they're not going to write to me and say what they don't believe. I mean, but it's just because they're writing to the torch. I get tons of people who disagree with things I say, but this isn't one of them. People want to see wrestling presented in a more sporting type way that's more reminiscent of a true fighting contest, and they should have had Cena and Hardy talk about strategy. They could have had a guest commentator or analyst come on. It can be a Ted DiBiase tie. I don't care anybody. Just come on and, and you know, help them and coach them off camera, you know, so that they know what to say, but have somebody come on there and actually say, hey, here's what Hardy needs to do. Here's what Cena needs to do. doesn't need to be long. doesn't need to be take up as much, a, a ton of time, but just something to get across the idea that this is a big deal and get people to look at the match differently. And they, they didn't even come close to trying to do that. It's it just, they throw matches out there and expect people to care. Then later on, they get Lance Cade versus Trevor Murdoch. They, what, built up their breakup for how long? Then they kind of forgot about it. Didn't make a big deal out of it for a couple weeks. And all of a sudden, they have a one-on-one match. No hype, no mention of it ahead of time. What do they think viewers are going to think when a match comes on that's been built up for like a year and a half, they finally wrestle one-on-one, and they don't hype it ahead of time? What you're telling fans is you're defining it down. You're defining the match down as not being worth mentioning ahead of time. And you're basically telling fans, this doesn't matter. What you're about to watch won't matter next week or the week after. It won't even matter in 10 minutes. We're not going to talk about it again. It's just here to fill three minutes because wrestling, unfortunately, is part of the WWE name. And we've got to just throw matches out here. But don't worry, it'll be over with soon. And then we'll get back to the talking. And, and, and there's only, as one of the people wrote in the, in the Raw Reacts section on PWTorch.com, one of the readers, there's only six people who matter in this company, the way WWE acts. And then they expect people to watch for two hours or really five hours a week to watch the same six people fight each other over and over again year after year. So they had a chance with Hardy and Cena to do something different, to say it's a new era. We're going to shake things up. We're going to have Jeff Hardy against Triple H for the title at Night of the Champions and move Cena to a different spot. Now, I, I'm not against Cena versus Triple H as a main event at Night of the Champions. That's a, that's a pretty big matchup. It really is. But it, isn't, it doesn't feel as fresh as Jeff Hardy in the main event. And what's worse is you set people up to be disappointed in Cena Triple H by dangling something that they probably, a lot of fans, not all, but a lot of fans would rather see. We'll throw out, I'll use another Obama Hillary analogy because it's certainly in the news over the next, it's going to be in the news over the next 24 hours. A lot of Hillary supporters don't like Obama right now only because Hillary was dangled in front of them as a dream candidate, a woman of their generation, perhaps, especially a lot of women look at that and they say, wow, this could have been my time. In my lifetime, I could have seen a woman be, be president. There's a lot of emotion behind that. Not a, doesn't have to be logical, doesn't have to make sense. She doesn't even have to be, quote, the best candidate in terms of matching their views. But there's something about Hillary being that person and that, that resonates with them. And so they kind of don't like Obama because of it. It's, it's the same way a lot of people thought about Bill, about Al Gore when Bill Bradley was running against him, that type of thing, ha- or, or George Bush and, and John McCain back in 2000. It happens a lot, but those people tend to come around again. And WWE better hope the people who kind of like John Cena but really would like to see Jeff Hardy in that spot come around again and don't resent the fact that Jeff Hardy's not in that spot, so, sort of like Hillary, and that... John Cena is going to be in that spot, sort of like Obama. The analogy isn't, doesn't, isn't perfect, but you know what I'm saying. You're going to have people who, under normal circumstances, would love to see Cena against Triple H, who are now going to feel a little cheated because they wanted to see Jeff Hardy against Triple H. So I just think it was really 
some lousy booking in that respect. I, I get the positive aspect of it. The positive is we've moved Jeff Hardy back into the main event mix. But Jeff Hardy's not the established main eventer. Cena and Triple H are. So Cena, if you're trying to establish that Cena's a top-tier player and he's, he's in the main event mix, but he goes out and loses clean to John Cena and loses an opportunity to headline a pay-per-view, you basically defined down a guy who isn't proven to be a top, top-tier guy and, and confirmed what fans feared, which is he can't hang with the top talent. And that's what they delivered. And they, if, one big change I'd make in Raw right now is main events for TV are announced at least one week ahead of time and two. I think WWE needs some long-term planning. They need to stop pushing the panic button, and they need to start promoting matches a week or two ahead of time. John Cena versus Jeff Hardy as next week's Raw main event makes much more of a difference in the ratings than throwing it on this show. But they have this mentality of anything can happen. They're still back in the Monday Night War era, which was great at innovating Raw for a few years. But now it's turned into... In Albatross, they continue to book Raw like they have to counter-program Nitro, and they don't. They have a captive audience, to a degree. Now it's wearing away, but part of the reason it's wearing away is because they tune in, and anything can happen. But when anything happens, and there's no build-up, and there's not a lot of follow-up, and there's only six guys or three guys on Raw who matter, pretty soon that anything can happen doesn't matter because there's nothing that can happen on Raw in any given week that seems important because it just gets, it gets blown over so quickly, and there's no time to anticipate anything. Now, I know their argument would be we're building anticipation for pay-per-views. That's where we put our hype. I think you want to build the notion that big matches deserve anticipation so people get excited about getting excited about getting excited about big matches. And WWE doesn't give people a chance for that, and so it cheapens big matchups to just announce them in one hour and have them in the next. Anytime you're watching WWE Raw or SmackDown or AEW Dynamite in particular, send us an email if you've got thoughts on the show or a topic you want us to address or a question for us. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. If there's anything else going on in pro wrestling that you want us to address on our main podcast during our mailbag segments, that same email applies. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. We invite that interaction. Let us know what you think of what we're saying and let us know what you want us to talk about and ask us specific questions. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Uh, all right, let's hit on some of the other things on the show. Mr. Kennedy came to the ring, talked about Paul Burchill's curb stomp last week and uh, said that he, uh, that, you know, Burchill's mad that he got his girlfriend, William Regal, fired last week and that he cried like a little British pansy on his way out the door. He said that he gets to um, follow in Regal's footsteps because he's going to kick him out the door, too. Paul Virgil came out and said, I have to uh, coach my sister, Katie Lee, in her first Raw match later, so I have a, a substitute partner, a suitable replacement, and out came Umaga. This was one of many short matches on the show. Kennedy won this one by countout in two minutes. Umaga, his ribs were taped up, still selling the impact of Jeff Hardy's off-camera finisher and on the pay-per-view where he dove off the truck and flipped into Invisible Land, and then we were supposed to believe that Hardy actually landed on Umaga a few seconds later, after the camera finally got around to filming him, which I disagree with philosophically, and I've written that in the VIP form in the Wade Keller Zone earlier today, and you can join in that discussion there if you'd like. Um, in my, it, it's, it's the discussion about my negative one-star rating for Hardy Umaga last night. We've got a good discussion going on in the VIP forum regarding that. So if you've never been there, haven't been there in a while, you can check it out. It's moderated, and uh, there's uh, another good discussion on Ultimate Warrior going on that a lot of people are passionate about, um, including me. I joined in late. But 
All right. Anyway, back to this. Um, I, I like that they, that Umaga was selling the rib injury from the night before. Too bad that when he quote hit his ribs and couldn't answer the ten count, he actually his, he actually came up short and his face hit the hit the announce table, not his ribs. And so that kind of kind of I don't know, kind of hurt the the notion that Umaga was vulnerable to a count off because of the rib injury. Kennedy celebrated. Paul Burchill ran out and attacked him from behind. Then uh, Vince McMahon walked to the ring and went on and on in a way that made no sense to me, or very little sense to me, about the million-dollar mania, McMahon's million-dollar mania. I, I don't know that he actually used that term. He said last night that was the name he gave it, but then tonight he didn't use that term, and I'm not sure if that's because he, they found out it's trademarked and he just made it up on a whim and they found out million-dollar mania is trademarked, so McMahon's million-dollar mania is trademarked. Or maybe he said it and I just forgot, but he, may, he just went through this thing about... Um, how he, the rules for the giveaway. Basically, the rules are, if you haven't heard that, you register at www.com, you give them your name, your phone number, your address, your social security, your bank account number, your cash card code, and uh, your secret answer to the mystery question in case you forget a password. All that stuff. You give that to www.com, and then next week while you're watching Raw, they might call you, and then you're going to have to tell them something that just happened on Raw to prove that you're watching live. Um, screws over the West Coast people, so maybe they're not going to do that every time. And uh, and then you get to win money. But McMahon said he's going to give away a million dollars every week and didn't really say for how long. Now now what they're doing is they've split the prize up into like uh, 250, 125, 100, 75, 2500, I don't know, down to like 80 bucks or something. So a bunch of people are going to win a, a decent chunk of money next week. I don't think people even believe that he's really going to give away money. It's pro wrestling. They're going to assume it's a scam. They're going to assume it's a plan, just like they don't think these text message polls are real, when in fact I think they are at this point. They don't think the Diva Search contests are real, even though I kind of think that they are at this point. Uh, fans are going to be skeptical. I, I just don't get it. But then McMahon went on this rant about how th- what we want to do is is s- spread the word about me giving away a million bucks. So people who used to watch, tune back in. And people who have never watched, maybe tune in. And I'm just listening to this going, does he really think this is going to work? Is he so surrounded by yes men or is he so out of ideas? Because I got a lot of ideas. And I think a lot of people have a lot of good ideas about how to, how, to, how to freshen up raw and change things around. And these aren't just like personal taste ideas. This is about taking a step back and looking at what worked in the past and listening to the fans, really listening to the fans. And looking at ratings trends and looking at what's going on with, with, with TNA and even with the MMA world. And... And, and just saying, all right, what can we do to shake this up? But Kevin Dunn is too busy he just following the same old pattern and Vince and Steph, same thing. And he, he really thinks that people with a one in a million chance to win $100,000 are going to tune in on the chance that they could win that money. People don't believe they're really going to win a sweepstakes. And they're not going to watch a show that they wouldn't want to otherwise watch to have a tiny, tiny, tiny chance of winning the money. And it's not $10 million. It's, it's a chunk. It's a, it's a nice amount of money, no doubt about it. It's life-changing for most people, the vast majority of people. But it's, not, it's still a one-in-a-million chance of winning this. So it just is not going to make a difference in the ratings. Now, if, they, if, they, if it seemed like it would be exciting, I mean, the appeal of watching Deal or No Deal is seeing the emotional roller coaster that people go on when they take chances and how they react to it. That's why the reveals on makeover shows 
are, are so exciting. And that's why elimination contests and reality shows are exciting because you want to see the winner and the loser react. This is screwed up because McMahon's giving away money and we don't get to see the winner react to it. We just get to hear a voice which may or may not be an employee at WWE's headquarters because people aren't going to believe because it's pro wrestling that they're really giving away money. So it's just this really screwed up idea. The fact is, is what fans want to see is a revamped fresh product. And, and I almost sensed body language wise that there was just like Triple H and John Cena are kind of walking around going, man, we're kind of part of a losing product right now. People aren't paying to watch us. And, you know, you have Regal getting suspended and you've got Undertaker, whatever's going on with him, which we still don't know. Uh, but on Raw, you've got Randy Orton out with an injury. It just, it, it, it's, you can, I, I almost sense with Triple H like this resignation that, you know, he's not the star he wants to be and he doesn't know where to go with it. And maybe he has ideas, but Steph and McMahon and Kevin aren't listening to him. I don't know. Um, but this notion that giving away money next week is going to draw ratings and bring people back is just, I just think it's, it's kind of naive and, and kind of, I don't know what, what, what better term to use. McMahon then went on a rant about how there's elitists who don't get raw and you people do. And we're here to, to show those people that we're a cool product, but even some, it's not for everybody. And those people, well, they're, they're elitist snobs and raw's not for them. So he's kind of rallying the troops. He's saying, you know, we're all together on this. So we got to start watching the show. <clears throat> because a lot of people aren't watching the show, and we need them to watch the show. And if they don't watch the show, they're elitist snobs. The problem is, is Vince is 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 rallying the troops when he's the enemy of the fans. Fifty out of fifty-two weeks, he can't be this fatherly figure, this grandfatherly figure, the the leader of the industry who brings the fans entertainment. One week, when he's like this dastardly heel who beats up their favorites on almost all the other weeks. It's, it's, there has to be a point of transition in his character. He can't break from character and then expect people to, one, pay, pay to see him as a heel if his heel character has no, no credibility as being a bad guy. If, and he can't expect fans to buy it as like, oh, I'm a total pro-WWE guy because here's Vince. Because what you're saying is we want you to pay money to see Vince get beat up or, 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 or lead the heel against the baby faces. But he reminds you constantly that's not who he really is. I mean, one of the reasons Vicky Guerrero's character I love on SmackDown is you really get the feeling this is what she's like. Like, she's in this wheelchair. She's, she pretends to have a back problem. She is infatuated with Edge, and she's self-centered about that relationship and doing what makes Edge happy, and she'll do anything to destroy anybody on SmackDown who, who is a threat to Edge. I mean, it, her character is well-defined and consistent. She's not stepping out there once every six weeks on TV going, hey, fans, we love WWE, and we're all in on this together. That's not how heels work. And McMahon as a babyface doesn't work if he hasn't transitioned from being a heel character. And he hasn't done that. So just tons of problems on this show. It's really embarrassing how sloppy some of this stuff is. And it's just a low IQ, stale approach to how they're doing things. It's undisciplined in a lot of ways. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Don't forget, we have regular podcasts throughout the week on our other feed, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast feed. It's our Blue Logo show, and it's free. Just search Wade Keller in your podcast app and click subscribe. And you can get our main flagships, our mailbags, our interviews, our pay-per-view preview shows, and some fascinating flashback episodes throughout the week. Just search Wade Keller in your podcast app and be sure you're subscribing to the Blue Logo show in addition to this, the Red Logo show. Ross plugs that Santino. Another problem. Ross plugs that Santino Morella is going to be on uh, SmackDown this Friday fighting Jimmy Kimmel's cousin Sal. 
Why is Santino on SmackDown? Why are we hyping a monumental draft in which people are going to switch brands when, without explanation, Santino is going to appear on SmackDown and he's a Raw wrestler? And nobody bats an eye at it. It's just, oh, yep, Santino's going to be on SmackDown. What's the point of a draft if people can just wrestle on any brand? They should be cementing the brand difference, not showing that the lines are blurred and the draft doesn't matter when they're trying to build up to this. It's just maddening how, un, uh, how inefficient this whole promotion is being run from, from a, a concept execution standpoint. It's just there's no constitution, no integrity to what they're doing. It's just desperate and sloppy. Uh, Santino uh, and Carlito beat Hardcore Holly and Cody Rhodes in a non-title tag match in one minute. If WWE doesn't have confidence in these wrestlers to put them on TV for a match longer than a minute, this isn't a squash. This is two pairs of wrestlers who are credible wrestlers. They're, they're not complete jobbers. And if they don't have enough confidence to put them out there for a full-fledged match, then cut them and bring in some wrestlers who do. You can't fill two and a half, two hours every week, and five, really five hours every week, and only have three or four people who are pushed as if they matter at all and expect people to watch. And when you have one-minute matches that end like this, and I mean, it was just a screwjob finish with Carlito kicking Holly while, while the ref was distracted and then um, falling on top of him for the and Santino falling on top of him for the win. It just it was just kind of this silly little finish, and they did a bit where Roddy Piper was against Timekeeper as a surprise, and and uh, made his way to the ring, and he actually managed to make his really fat stomach look like he had abs. I don't know how he pulled it off, um, but it's pretty delusional if he's out there saying, "Look at me, I work out." I mean, he's not in good shape. But okay, that's a sidebar of a sidebar. Um, Anyway, after the match, Piper tried to interfere and, and grab Santino's leg, but there wasn't a, a time in a minute to have it even be worth Piper's plane fare to Bakersfield, although doesn't he live near there? I don't know. Um, so after the commercial break, Santino congratulated Carlito on their win and said they're winners, although he really kind of said they're winners. And then Carlito corrected him and said, no, you mean winners. And I just thought he just said winners, but I guess Santino was supposed to have said winners. Ha, 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 that joke is so funny. Um, it's just... They're Brian Brian Gewertz, I guess is how you say his name. He needs there, there's a, there's stuff like that. Sounds like Brian Gewertz material, and it's time it's time to drop this this just really bad Brian Gewertz sense of humor. Um, and the Wiener joke is really bad. I mean, it's like when they ran out of material for Maria, they got to do better than that. Anyway, then they went into a really lousy Brian Gewertz scripted bit with Todd Grisham. Uh, correcting Santino when he started trying to give uh, Jimmy Kimmel a hard time by stealing his gimmick, but he stole a top 10 list and headlines and the for, for me to poop on lines. And Todd Grisham corrected him that, no, that's Letterman, Leno, and, and Conan. And it just wasn't funny. It just, it was lame. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the people who write rock get what humor is and get how it's difficult and get what makes humor funny. And this is like zany clever without the cleverness. And it's just bad. All right, then in another uh, scene, Hardcore Holly charges into the locker room as Cody is about to undress right in front of a camera. I mean, he's like about to undress in front of the camera. Bob Holly barges in and says, why didn't you tell me Roddy Piper was a guest timekeeper? Um, Holly said, I'm the veteran of the team and the leader, and I should know these things. And Cody said, hey, it was an untitled match. We're still champs. Don't worry about it. Holly said, we're not going to be champs for long if this keeps up. So Holly's being grumpy and, and, and uh, not very likable, actually, kind of overreacting. But they're setting him up to be the babyface when Cody turns on Holly and joins Ted DiBiase Jr. as part of a new young faction. Ted DiBiase Jr. walks in 
and says that he's about three weeks away from choosing a partner and becoming the new tag champs. And he said the look on his face will be just like him, priceless. Then they went to Ross and Lawler at ringside and talked to Jericho uh, in the back, who did a nice little smarmy, tongue-in-cheek, uh, but with a straight face. Like, we're not supposed to know he's being kind of smarmy. But he talked about how he encouraged Shawn Michaels the night before, and he's dedicating his match to Shawn Michaels. He said he's going to start defending the IC title more often also. Um, and, uh, and that was that. I, I like what Jericho's doing. Um, you kind of have to watch his promos to get what he's doing. Uh, but... In, in, to get what I'm saying that he's doing well. I think the average viewer is not quite sure what to think of him yet, and I think a lot of them aren't even up on the fact that what he did last night to Michaels really messed with Michaels and just prolonged his beating. All right, that's just our number one of complaining, although I already complained about a couple things in the second hour. Um, JBL took on Chris Jericho in a five-minute match. Jericho won by DQ when he kicked uh, JBL, knocking him into the chair throat first, and then JBL started coughing up blood and got counted out. Or actually, JBL got... DQ'd for bringing for shoving the ref who tried to take the chair away from him, and then after that is when JBL got the the chair shot to the throat and started bleeding. Um, just five minute match, pretty forgettable. It was okay while it lasted. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Then uh, Glamazon, Beth Phoenix, and Katie Lee defeated Mickey James and Melina. Uh, Melina was just super intense, just going after uh, Glamazon with a vengeance in this match. I mean, it was intense and, and felt real, and it's like, give us more of that. You know, give us more of that with all these feuds. Uh, but it went only five minutes. Then Paul Burchill walked out and applauded his sister for being part of a winning match, and then Kennedy attacked him from behind. Crime Time came out and uh, went after the money in the in the plastic in the plastic case that was sitting on the stage, the million dollars, and the security had to kind of fend them off. And you know, just playing into their gimmick of liking the money, money, money. Ha ha ha. Then Trevor Murdoch versus Lance Cade after months and months and months, if not a year of buildup. Matches out there, and it lasts two minutes. And Lance Cade wins clean. Um, just crazy. Murdoch sang to him a little before the match, but kind of half-heartedly. And then, uh, and then that was it. I mean, the wrong guy won. Trevor Murdoch's a guy who's got some money potential. I mean, he's got a charisma. He's a, kind of a likable guy. Um, he stands out. He's different. He's got a different body type. But Lance Cade has the prototypical body type. It's not perfect. It's not Chris Masters. It's not a masterpiece body, but he's got the right mold of a body compared to Trevor Murdoch, so he's going to get the push, even though Murdoch I really would, really would be the guy I'd pick in a draft ahead of, of Cade um, as, as a guy I think I could draw some money with if I were booking this promotion. And, and, but not hyping it. It's just inexcusable. I mean, and, and having him wrestle two minutes is, in, is inexcusable. It's just 
I mean, if they did the, if they did this right, they could have headlined this show with that match and drawn the same rating. And I know people are like, oh, no way, that's not true, especially in WWE. But if they hyped that match for three weeks and gave them promo time, made it seem important, talked about strategies, made it seem like there's ramifications, I mean, they could have drawn a, a TV main event rating with that match by building it up. And guess what? Coming out of it, if it was booked well and they let him wrestle for 15 minutes and have a, a good brawl with the type of intensity that Molina showed towards Glamazon, you would end up with uh, uh, two re- characters. No matter who won or lost, you would have two characters who fans took more seriously and perceived that or felt that McMahon and WWE were pushing them as top guys and they'd start treating them that way. You can define up wrestlers or define down wrestlers. This is a way to define them down. And it was needless and the wrong guy won and it was too short. Then there was that Cena skit that I already ranted about that was just so stupid where they didn't know the camera was there even though it was right there and flirted with each other. Um, I like the storyline. I like a little romance. I, I can't wait for Mickey James to snap when Cena dumps her or, or, or looks at another girl or whatever happens to cause their breakup. I hope that they draw this out as a long-term storyline, but I, I can't wait for uh, Mickey James to be the obsessed heel character who can't wait to... Uh, to, to manage a wrestler or, or lead a wrestler and, and recruit wrestlers to try to take out Cena. I think that could be great if that's what they're doing. And I don't know that it is, but I think it's what they should do. Then John Cena and Jeff Hardy had a 13-minute match. It was one match that went longer than five minutes on this show. And uh, it was uh, it was a good match. Uh, two and a half stars. It ended with uh, Cena catching uh, Hardy diving off the ropes and rolling through into a pin. Afterwards, Triple H walked on the stage. His music played. Cena walked up to him, stared at his belt, said, I want it, and the show ended. It just could have been a much more monumental match between Cena and Hardy. I think the fans would, there'd be a real buzz if Hardy won. Um, I know that Cena and Triple H are at the top of the totem pole, but, boy, there just comes a time where you got to shake things up, and this was not shaking things up. All right, that's it for me for now. If you saw the show and have comments, I encourage you to send your name, hometown, a 0 to 10 score, and your fix for best and worst match or segment, along with a paragraph of thoughts, to pwtorch at gmail.com. And also, if you're a listener of the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show, or if you're not, you should be, um, you can send in a question for this coming weekend's or a future edition of the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show, where we try to, every week now, answer reader questions on current events and questions you have about the past. And we have a great time. I enjoy It's one of my... More enjoyable hours every week is the uh, Bruce Mitchell Audio Show reader question segment. So if you've got some questions we, you want us to address, you can send them there. And also, I do want to get back to doing Ask the Torch myself, so in audio format. So if you've got questions for me, for the Daily Keller Hotline, for Audio Ask the Torch, please also send those to pwtorch at gmail.com. In either case, just indicate in the subject line, question for Bruce or question for Wade, or question for both of us, along with just a little clue in the subject line of what it is about. You can just say for Wade, for Bruce, and then the uh, subject. And uh, I'll sort it into the right folder and have them ready to go when either I do the Daily Killer Ask, Audio Ask the Torch or we do the Bruce Mitchell Audio Ask the Torch. Also, if you haven't been over to MMATorch.com, we, uh, Jamie Pennick has done uh, two in-depth uh, roundtable discussions about uh, the two big MMA events this weekend, the CBS debut uh, of uh, Elite XC with... Uh, Kimbo Slice, the uh, it's just a disaster of a show. I think in a lot of ways, did good ratings, but I think it did a lot of harm for MMA image-wise. And uh, and then uh, Sunday nights, just amazing. Uh, Uriah Faber versus Jens Pulver match. Um, we got two long audio updates over at MMA Torch, led by a familiar voice from PWTorch.com, Jamie Pennick, who's taken over as editor of the site. And uh, you can download those audio shows 
um, over at MMA Torch and uh, get some uh, good perspective from the MMA Torch crew over there. Um, I guess that's it for me for plugs right now. We got tons of audio on the VIP site, as you know, um, and I won't run down all of them, but just look to the right-hand column of the audio show listing to see all the latest stuff um, from everybody on staff. All right, that is it for me for today. Until next time, this is PW Torch editor Wade Keller thanking you for your support of the Torch VIP section and signing off for now. All right, so that does it for today's Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Thanks for sticking around to the end and checking out that 10 years ago flashback to the Wade Keller hotline reviewing Raw from 10 years ago this week. If you want more of what you just heard, it's all waiting for you. Go check it out, pwtorchvipinfo.com. Thanks, everybody. Tomorrow, uh, Thursday, uh, on the Thursday flagship this week, Johnny Fairplay joins me as guest co-host. We'll talk uh, the large, larger pro wrestling scene and also uh, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Mundo, John Morrison on Survivor. Interesting to talk to Johnny about that. And then this Friday, part two of my fascinating interview with former WWE creative team member Jason Allen, 10 years after he left WWE. He was there 10 years ago. Um, He was in the midst of his run on WWE Creative 10 years ago. First time he's done a long-form interview, and it is a good one. So if you missed part one, check it out last Friday over at Podcast One. And uh, you can look forward to part two coming up this Friday. That'll do it for me for today. Thanks again to Jason Solomon for joining me as co-host on today's program. And until next time, Wade Keller signing off. You can support PWTorch.com when you shop Amazon. When you're about to shop at Amazon. We invite you to email the show with feedback or questions or comments. That email address is wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. Also welcome your feedback on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at pwtorch and follow me at the Wade Keller. That's at pwtorch and at the Wade Keller. One way that you can help us sustain our schedule of putting out podcasts throughout the week is by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just go to Apple Podcasts and look for our Wade Keller Processing Podcast and Wade Keller Processing Post Show and give us a five-star rating. We hope you think we've earned that score with our fast turnaround times and our quantity and quality of wrestling analysis throughout the week. So take a moment out for us and do us a favor and give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. That helps us on search returns and helps us grow. And if you want, you can add a few comments about what you like about the programs in the comments section. Thank you so much. Do you remember when Hulk Hogan shocked the world and formed the New World Order? Or when Stone Cold Steve Austin passed out on the sharpshooter to Bret the Hitman Hart? I'm Torch contributor Frank Pettiani, and I've reviewed these shows and many more for my exclusive VIP podcast, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back 10, 20, even 30 years, review pay-per-views from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what took place then to what what is taking place now. You get exclusive access to these and other podcasts as part of your PW Torch VIP membership, which is compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. Visit pwtorch.com slash govip for details and sign up for them. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. 
Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices, or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Wrestling fans, are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. Every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Cast. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals, and you won't be sitting around waiting for that delivery to your front door or having to make a trip to the grocery store. If you're too busy with summer plans to cook but want to make sure you're eating well, Factor is the answer. Skip that trip to the grocery store. Skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too while still getting flavor and the nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy and then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. And if you get hungry in the middle of watching pro wrestling, well... During a video package, you can throw a factor meal in the microwave, and two minutes later, you're sitting down finishing the show, but with a meal you can feel good about eating. 
I have loved having Factor in my refrigerator. I eat primarily a vegan diet and I love their options, but they've got options for everybody, including people who are on keto diets or people who are on no special diet. There's barbecue sloppy joes, jalapeno beef mac and cheese, red pepper queso chicken, Italian sausage and sweet pepperonata. I think that's how you say it. Ancho live salmon and more. The selection is exciting every week when you get to pick out the meals that you want. They'll auto-select meals for you that fit your category if that's easier for you. But you can easily customize what gets delivered to your house and even skip a week or two if you're going to be away or have a lot of dinner plans outside the house. It's so nice having these meals in the refrigerator knowing that they are dietitian approved nutrient-dense meals that are going to leave you feeling satisfied. I can speak from experience when I have a factor meal. I don't even think about snacking for hours afterwards. That's how satisfying they are. But they've got calorie-conscious options, too, for this summer in case you're trying to lose some weight. And if you're trying to put on some muscle mass or gain weight, they have Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. If you've thought of going vegan but think it comes without taste or satisfaction, this is the place to start. My next delivery includes three bean vegan chili, vegan mushroom marsala, harissa, I think that's how you say it, braised garbanzo stew. The next week, my vegan options are peanut buddha bowl, tomato roasted vegetable risotto, smoked tofu almond stir fry, and blackened tofu. Those are the meals I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. You can also round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with cold-pressed juices, shakes, smoothies, and more. So head to factormeals.com slash wade50. That's factormeals.com slash 50. And use code wade50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code wade50 at factormeals.com slash wade50 to get 50% off your first box. Longing for some nostalgia? Or maybe you want to learn some wrestling history? Don't miss the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. Alex and Patrick will transport you 30 years into the past by taking you through the Torch issue from that very week. Follow news from the WWF and WCW and all the happenings from across the wrestling industry in real time as the Torch reported it 30 years ago. That's the 90s Passcast every Friday on the PW Torch Daily Cast feed. Aloha, Torch Faithful. This is Kelly Wells, host of PWT Talks NXT. Every Thursday, you can hear me and my gang of idiots, Tom Stout, who shares thoughts from the live tapings, and Torch recapper Nate Lindbergh, as well as a rotating cast of guests, cover the matches and events in NXT Live on USA Network. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Cheers! Thanks for downloading today's show. Take it to the next level with a VIP membership. Get shows like this, the Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Show, and the PW Torch Daily Casts on our PW Torch VIP podcast feed with ads and plugs removed from the shows for a streamlined listening experience. And also hear the VIP exclusive shows that I host with Rich Fan and Todd Martin. Everything with Rich Fan and The Fix with Todd Martin's signature VIP series that you're missing out without a VIP membership. So go VIP here in 2022 and enjoy all the benefits, all the bonus content, and the ad-free listening experience. pwtorch.com slash go VIP.
Anytime you're watching WWE Raw or SmackDown or AEW Dynamite in particular, send us an email if you've got thoughts on the show or a topic you want us to address or a question for us. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. If there's anything else going on in pro wrestling that you want us to address on our main podcast during our mailbag segments, that same email applies. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. We invite that interaction. Let us know what you think of what we're saying and let us know what you want us to talk about and ask us specific questions. Wade Keller Podcast at PWTorch.com. Support us on Patreon starting at $4.99. Get these shows ad-free and bonus VIP content. That's $4.99 on Patreon. Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's Patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That is the quickest, cheapest, and easiest way to support us and enjoy these shows with a streamlined listening experience. The Wade Keller Post Shows, Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts, plus some random VIP bonus content. March through pro wrestling history with a PW Torch VIP membership throughout the week, every week. We jump back 18 years to our earliest podcasts, and you can march through our coverage of pro wrestling history with our contemporaneous coverage of all the major pay-per-views, Wade Keller hotlines with behind-the-scenes news, the Bruce Mitchell audio shows with in-depth current events analysis at that time, along with history lessons and strong opinions, the real deal with Pat McNeil with the Hot 5 Stories of the Week and the Indie Show lineup of the week, and more. Go VIP and relive wrestling history or learn about it for the first time as we continue to march through our 2005 library near the anniversary dates of when they aired 18 years ago on that date. To become a PW Torch VIP member, go to pwtorch.com slash govip and sign up today. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on pwtorchdailycast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. Give yourself a reason to look forward to going to the mailbox each week with a PW Torch newsletter paper copy subscription. Details at pwtorch.com slash paper copy. It's 12 pages every week packed with my TV reports along with exclusive features such as my cover story on the top story of the week, our pay-per-view roundtable reviews from the Torch staff, exclusive feature-length columns from Greg Parks, Rich Fan, Sean Radikin, Alan Cunahan, and Zach Hadorn, Torch Talk transcripts, the latest news, and more pwtorch.com slash paper copy. Take a break from screen time and settle in every week with a mega dose of wrestling news and analysis with a Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter paper copy edition in the year 2022. You can get a full year of home delivery for just $99. Or try us for an eight-week trial subscription. pwtorch.com slash paper copy. <laughs> 